Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 315. I am Peter and unfortunately Matt, uh, who was supposed to be on the show but has got some emergency plumbing happening right this minute, meaning he could not be on the show, uh, which means you've got just a, a Connor episode this week. So Connor's here. Yeah, it's a good job all three this week, isn't it? Uh, I suppose we're just at a different time. I mean, uh, Would we? You're, st- you're still expendable. Don't get it into just, your head that you're... I don't know. I've seen the comments. Well, I haven't seen these comments. This is news there, to well, me. There, there were comments. Oh, was there? Yes, okay. There, there were comments saying it was better with me back. So I'm, I'm just saying you, you, you're stuck with it. I haven't seen a lick of evidence of this. Uh, this is a DC Comics podcast. We get together, we talk about the books we read this week from DC. Uh, coming up on this week's show, we have Nightwing issue 94, The Flash 784, Batman Superman World's Finest issue 5, Batman the Night issue 7, Black Adam issue 2, DC vs. Vampires Oleo War issue 1, which is the start of the, the, the six-issue miniseries run alongside the main Vampires book, and then Jurassic League issue 3. Uh, that's what's coming up. But, of course, it's actually quite a heavy episode regardless of that because it's Solicits Week. And also, at the time of recording, the Warner Brothers panel at Comic-Con is actively ongoing. Uh, so we'll check in on that after Solicits because it'll be done by that point, given how long we take doing that. <laughs> and uh, if there's any juicy news to talk about from that, we can throw that in as breaking news as well. Yeah. Just, so. I, I just Maybe I wasn't paying full attention during your list then, but... Uh, Dark Crisis, Young Justice. Was that an hour this week? It was. I didn't read it. Oh, okay. I, I was under the impression you were reading that. But I, I guess you changed your mind. I'll do whatever I want. That's fine. I'm not I'm not critiquing you. I'm just... just I, I was just checking you hadn't just forgotten. I, I do what I want. And, uh... You just didn't want to read that. I left it to last. I was going to, and then I went, you know what, I don't want to read this. Okay, yeah, I get it. I've done that. That was that was a, that was the whole thought process. There wasn't some great, uh, you know, thought out thing to it. Anyway, uh, that is what's coming up on the show. So lots of things to get into. October solicits, of course, being the the main thing. But don't worry, because before we get to that, there's always time for a comicsology top ten. So that's what we're going to start off with. <laughs> Do we have to? Yes. Is it Batman? Is it X-Men? Um, technically X-Men Is is it the X-Men event uh, Axe? Yeah, it's Axe. Judgment Day. Judgment Day issue... Was it one? What were we on? I think it's issue one. Okay. Um, it's, uh, yeah, issue one, issue one. Um, I have nothing, I have nothing to say about this. Uh, I mean, I will read it because it's a Kieran Gillen event and... I am torturing myself reading through stupid nonsense X-Men stuff so I can have context for the Gillen and Gillen and Ewing stuff that's going on. So much bad stuff. That's that's commitment. You uh knock yourself out. There's uh, like out of the whole line, there's like maybe one or two books that's like, yeah, these are alright. And then the rest of it is like this is this is mediocre at best. Hmm. That's a shame. Uh speaking of X books, number two is Knights of X issue four. I don't even know what that one is. <laughs> Maybe it's not on uh, Unlimited Jet. Maybe you'll get to this. I, I'm, uh, well, I'm still really far behind on all the X books uh, anyway. I'm, I'm still like a year ago. 
Uh, so you're, you're so you're still in Heckman territory? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that that is one of the worst of the the line of of book. The, the the only two I'm really enjoying and varying degrees depending on the issues because some some of them aren't so hot. Uh, Marauders is is not bad, and surprisingly, Cable's been kind of fun. Yeah, what, that one surprised me. What an update. Uh, number three is where we bring some DC into it, though. Nightwing issue 94 is number three. Uh, and then number four is Batman Superman World's Finest. And then number five is Dark Crisis Young Justice. And number six is The Flash issue 784. So four DC in a row. So hell, healthy DC presence after that first couple. Yeah, I mean, issue the, the top spot I would expect any any event that had a, a number one out, I would expect that to take the top spot on any mm-hmm. week, really. So that's fair enough. So Marvel having, you know, then the second spot as well isn't that bad. And then, and then you know, DC having a pretty healthy chunk after that. Yeah. Uh, then Star Wars 25 is number seven. And then we're back to DC with DC versus Vampires All at War. Number nine is Avengers issue fifty eight, and number ten is Batman the Night issue seven. So, you know, DC with five out of the ten, Marvel with five out of the ten, the even split between the big two this week. Uh, so, not, not too much to say on that front. Um, uh, just looking down further to see where some of the other DC books land. Number twelve is the Justice League versus Legion of Superheroes book. I forgot and, that existed. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Well, I'm sure Matt read it, but unfortunately, he's not here to talk about it. Uh, yeah. Black Adam uh, hit at number 14 currently, so... It's uh, no, not surprising. It's not like a top-tier character, and it's a limited series. Yeah, it's um, also uh, mainly an introduction of a new character. I mean, I know it's called Black Adam, but it's it's largely focusing on a new character as well, so... Uh, yeah, it so, is, but I don't know how many people would know that before buying it. Oh, it's issue two, though. That's, that's the point I'm making. Okay, sure, but issue one was still mostly about Black Adam. Ah, sure, but it, it clearly was indicating it was going places, and all the covers for like every other issue in the solicits have all been of the new character. Well, have they? I've not actually been looking at them. Oh, well, pretty much. I, I mean, all the ones I remember, anyway. Oh, fair uh, enough. And issue two, certainly, is. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, so, yeah, and then after that, it's quite a while before more DC, because, I mean, that's most of the main DC books. Jurassic League is down at, like, 29 and Catwoman's at 30. Now, Jurassic League's this weird niche dinosaur Justice League book. I kind of get it. Catwoman being down... All the, I said this last month as well. Catwoman is definitely going further down the charts. Uh, it was never, like, a top selling but Even on, like, you know, the stuff we loved with, with Ram V, it wasn't, like... So I think, hovering around the 20s pretty often. It's a pretty low-selling book anyway, is kind of my point here. I mean, I don't remember exactly where it was, but it was definitely wasn't as low as thirty. No, I don't think it was quite that low, but it was. It was definitely. It was never a, a hot selling book. It, it was. It was still showing up on. I mean, what at the time was the first page of the results, whereas number thirty would not be on the first page of the results if it was still on the Comicsology website. Obviously, things have changed a little bit, and now you get thirty before you have to uh, hit the yeah. show more button. But I think it was twenty five before maybe. Um. But, from memory, but yeah, not doing so hot. Uh, no. I would say. So, now nah, there, there, there you go. That's uh, that's your comicsology top ten for the week. Pretty, pretty healthy overall for DC. Um, 
in the grand scheme of things. So good, 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 good. Um, so yeah, without further ado, we'll just we'll wire into the solicits. This is October solicits. I've not even glanced at them, so this is going to be a nice journey of discovery as we go down this list and see some covers and whatnot. Uh, first on the list is Batman issue one two eight. Uh, Chip Zarsky, Jorge Jimenez, uh, pretty. It's just more, yeah, yeah. Pretty neat cover with with the flyer, uh, Batman and and uh, and Robin, surrounded yeah. by flames. And no, a, a nice uh, Ryan Suk variant as well. Ah, not bad, not bad. Uh, There's quite a few nice variants. Not gonna lie. Yeah, um, Redler Year One's been solicited. Now we knew this was coming. This is the the Paul Dano written book. Uh, yeah, noble art on this though. Noble Art, which is uh, Sejic. No, sorry, it's not Sejic, sorry. No, it's not. I read that as Sejic there. That's why I was I was very confused as to why you were like... Because it's, it's notable, but not for reasons that I think you would care about, which is why I was surprised. No, probably you were... not. No, I just I saw what I wanted to see. I saw Steven Sejic. Yeah. It's actually St- Steven Subic. But I think you can understand why at a glance I was seeing another name. Yeah, sure. I don't know. It's got his uh, cover. Well, you know. That yeah, that's that's his art. The you know that, that main cover is the the interior artist. Oh, that's a good sign because uh, it's got a good uh, kind of dark vibe to it. You know, it's just, it's just uh, yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, yeah, uh, not bad. Uh, obviously, your your preference or enjoyment of the movie version of Riddler is obviously. Yeah, yeah. I. I uh... I didn't love that movie, and I really didn't love that take on Riddler, so I'm just hard skipping this. It's kind of interesting to uh, to let him expand his character out into. Oh, let's just give his give his character more backstory, like his yeah, version I, of Riddler I, more backstory. I'm not opposed to it existing, um, for because I know, I know obviously the the movie was very popular with a lot of people, and I'm sure people like that version of the Riddler, but not for me. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, so that's Riddler Year One starting in October. Uh, Batman One Bad Day, Penguin Issue One. Again, we knew, we knew obviously these one shots were coming. Uh, this one is by John Ridley, uh, Giuseppe Kamen uh on the art for this one. So, yeah, I like Kamen a lot. Um, John Ridley is is a name that obviously has a lot of prestige attached to him, but I've I've struggled to enjoy any of his comics so far. I've been a little hit and miss. I've enjoyed a good portion of what I've read of his his Batman stuff with with the you know with with uh the Jace, but I I also kind of it kind of fell off for me where like I, th- I think the format of it jumping between all these different books was starting to really hurt it, and I kind of fell away from it. Um, but I think maybe just a a one shot might play to its strengths. You know, pretty self contained story. Just yeah, like, uh, I, I, one I, issue. I think a one shot, or which it is in this case, or like a just a sort of completely self-contained miniseries, I think might be. Yeah, because I tried. Uh, he did other history of the DC universe, which mm. was a mini, which I, I really didn't kind of like very much. That wasn't that, issue. That wasn't as much of a traditional comic, though, right? You said that had a lot of a lot of prose in it. Yeah, but, a lot of prose yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, next up, we got the Joker, the Man Who Stopped Laughing issue one. Uh, I have no idea what this is. Let's have, a, uh, let's have a good look here. Written by Matthew Rosenberg, art by Carmen DJ Domenico. Okay, so, yeah, some some names there. Um, this does not say 
one shot or one of something though. Which... Uh, this is a, this is a new ongoing, which is a kind of a a sequel to the Tynan Joker that just wrapped up. Yeah, I wonder if this is just like we're just going to start from number one again with a, a subtitle because we just want to make it clear it's the start of a new direction, new team, all the rest of it. I think so. It it does say it picks up from the end of that book. Because this uh, could have easily I have no just idea been, how that ended. This could have easily just been like issue sixteen or whatever was next. It could have been, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Your creative hey. team, just yeah. There's number sixteen, yeah, and and this still has backups. Uh, with Frank Avila doing the backups, or at least the art, and I believe Frank Avila did a lot of like the fill-in issues on that Joker series, like between arcs. I did a few. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I say a lot of. There was only like fifteen I, issues of the book. So yeah, there were only two or three. I think there was two, uh, tall, yeah. but yeah. Um. I, well, I, I was either two or one in an annual. I think it may have been one in an annual, but uh, regardless, um, there's a nice Behermo cover uh, in there. Well, it looks like a Behermo. I didn't actually check to see if his name's in the, the list, but it looks like one. Uh, uh, I don't see Behermo's name in the list. Oh, I don't actually. It looks like Behermo. You, you probably know what I'm talking about if you look through them. Oh, the third one, yeah. yeah. It looks behermo Um. Oh, that Behermo, yeah. Variant covers by Lee Behermo and David uh, Nakayama. Oh, oh fair. I missed that one, because his, his name was buried with someone else's. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Joker, <sighs> effectively Another, continuing. And still five ninety nine. They got away with it, so they're going to keep doing it. Yep. Uh, next up, Punchline, the Gotham game, issue one. This is a six-issue miniseries, so uh, this is written by Tinny Howard and Blake Howard. I, I assume there's a relation <laughs> between them. I, I would assume so. Um, obviously, Tinny Howard, we didn't really love her Catwoman. No, it wasn't for aside, me. But maybe on some other books. But I, I mean, Punchline's not exactly grabbing us, is it? Let's be yeah. honest. Uh, Gleb Melnikov on the art here, at least for issue one. Uh, obviously, Melnikov only cops a pretty solid workhorse, six yeah. issue mini. He he can probably knock that out without any without yeah. any break. I have to I have to admit, like you know, I like I I, I think Punchline's an alright character. I've enjoyed her presence in some of the the main Batman stuff. Uh, mini series, I'm not sure I'm that fussed about. I think if it had like a really enticing like writer on it, like you know, not one that I'm just okay with. Like oh oh, they're doing this book. Okay, I'm excited because of their name. Uh, Tini Howard and whoever Blake is, whether it's her husband, brother... Says Blake Howard has worked on in done some stories in Urban Legends. I don't know which one, but... Mm. Yeah. People are, you know, people who are listening to this may well have read those stories uh, and can be better informed than us. Unless this is like Axe Cop and Blake's actually her son and it's like a six-year-old who's like given all the plot and she's just scripting it into like coherence... <laughs> <laughs> you ever heard of that there's a comic called Axe Cop but that's basically what it yeah. was it was like a guy and his little brother and his little brother would just like tell him this, these ridiculous stories and he'd be like oh, I'll turn it into a comic I'll do it yeah yeah I remember it's, it's not impossible but yeah Punchline like, I'm, I'm, I like Punchline as a character in you know showing up in a, in a Batman story for example or at most in a backup a, a, a mini of her own not particularly compelling it almost feels like it's not just like Batman is a corner now. Joker's got a corner, so and Punchline's like the the secondary Joker book. <laughs> like that's kind of Joker Punchline and Harley. What it feels like, yeah. 
Uh, speaking of Harley, Harley Quinn, the animated series Legion of Bats, issue one. This is a six-issue miniseries. Obviously, it's tied to the animated series because it's in the title. Uh, written by T. Franklin and art by Shea Beagle. Yeah, uh, I guess the uh, Eat, Bang, Kill mini that they did must have sold pretty well for them to just immediately be I like, yep, so, let's yeah. do more. Uh, I imagine it's got a small but dedicated audience that will keep coming back for more and uh, a lot of variants I get, and it's the type of audience that probably buys one of every cover. <laughs> Quite possibly. I really like the, uh, the the first cover. The other ones don't do much for me. Um, the arcade one's alright as a kind of a a jokey one. Yeah, I'm not really into all the ones after that though. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a, yeah, it's what it is. Uh, next up, Batman Gotham Knights Gilded City issue one. Is this related to the video game? It is. This is um prequel story it's so that the premise of that game for anyone not familiar is batman is dead this is his last case before he died i, don't ah. know, I, I, I doubt he dies in the in the you know in the story but it's the last case yeah fair that i suspect discovering how he died may be part of the plot of the game like that'll you know it'll come up at some point in the game yeah it does sound like sort of interesting because it's half it is a you know modern day gotham and it also has stuff in Gotham in 1847 as well. No, oh, interesting. Uh, and I feel sick, you know, saying this because it reminds me of all these like Apex Legends, like get get a code from your can of monster bullshit. But uh, yeah, well, we already had this with all the Fortnite comics. Uh, crossover, didn't we? But uh, each issue will come with uh, a code for Gotham Knights players to, uh, you know, redeem for an exclusive in-game item. Uh, I want to vomit in my mouth. Thank you. Um, and I say, and for a record, I say this as someone who cares about video games. I play video games, and I am disgusted by this as a video game player more than I am a comic book reader. I just want to be that clear. Yeah, but this is not like I'm a comic book snob who's like, oh, these video games are infecting my comic books. I play video games. Yeah, um, I'm not familiar with the, the creative team on this. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, so the writer's Evan Narkisi, Narkis, maybe, yeah. and then art by Abel. Just one word, Abel. So. Yeah. I'm not familiar, but I mean, Jay, uh, maybe... this isn't inherently a bad mini. It could be no, kind of fun. no. Okay, it could be a completely fine thing that just happens to be tied to the game. Um, I wonder if uh, these names, particularly the writer, I wonder if that's someone who's actually on the writing team for the game, maybe or something like that. And that's why we don't recognize them because they're not traditionally a comic book writer. Um, I just googled the name. Mm-hmm. Is an American comic book writer, journalist, and oh. video game narrative designer, which means probably. Oh. Okay, so yes. Yes. Uh, narrative designer, which is a um, fancy word that means writer. <laughs> yes, he was responsible for writing some lines on the Spider-Man game, the, the last one, and narrative design consultant on the Miles spin-off. Uh, he's working on Redfall. It doesn't actually mention Batman on, on this quick, quick, blint, quick glance at his Wikipedia page, but... They are publicly submitted to a point. I wonder if it's just not that common knowledge. Yeah, exactly. What the, what the, yeah. what the credits are in that game yet. Um, I would... Um, it's just the narrative designer and narrative consultant. It's just, it reminds me of... Uh, not so much all wrestling, but WWE would have this thing where they, they never say hospital. Whenever someone gets taken away in the ambulance, they would always say, they're going to a local medical facility, which would be fine to hear it once or twice, but they'd say it every test. Like, What's wrong with the word hospital? Why are you scared of the word hospital? It's not some mm. dirty word. 
It's like they're worried because yeah, yeah, obviously it's fictional. I wonder if it's like, oh, we're, we get we'll get sued if we say go to the hospital because no one's someone's going to check the hospital and they're not there. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just having a quick glance. This guy's career path's quite interesting. He started as a a journalist working for like Kotaku and IGN places like that, mm. and then he was interviewing Tanahesi Coates on his Black Panther run, and then he asked, you know, got him a, a, you know a gig doing a, a mini series for Marvel, like one of his. Black Panther spin-offs, and that's where he's done, you know, got his comic work from there. And a lot of the games he's been consulting on have been comic book ones. So, you know, kind of interesting that, you know, he's kind of got that path. That's interesting. I remember, because uh, I, I remember I actually read the six-issue mini they did uh, when Arkham City came out, you know, a good decade ago now. That wasn't bad. Yeah, it was all right for what it was. It wasn't my must-read by any means, but it was, it was perfectly fine. It was as perfectly acceptable as half the other Bat books that are published every month. So there you go. That's uh, Batman Gotham Knights Gilded City issue one. Uh, there we got Gotham City Year One issue one. And oh, this is a biggie. Uh, Tom King writing art uh, by Phil Hester and Eric Gapster. And uh, this is a very uh, Tim Sale looking front cover, actually, as well. Uh, looking at it. Uh, yeah, well, that's Phil Hester as well. It's like that. I suppose, but I just, you know, I associate that look with, you know, Long Halloween yeah. and stuff like that. Um, I'm going to read the description of this one. Let's have a, a look at this. This is a six-issue miniseries, for the, for the record. Uh, there was one shining city in the water, a home for families, hope, and prosperity. It was Gotham, and it was glorious. The story of its fall from grace, the legend that would birth the bat, has remained, remained untold for eight years. That's about to change. Superstar creators Tom King and Phil Hester team up for the first time to tell the definitive origin story of Gotham City. You know what's intriguing about this is that I like the idea that this shouldn't really have any Batman in it. Maybe they'll maybe they'll be there to bookend it with you know some narrative you know bookends. I, or I don't think so. But to be honest, but I kind of like the idea of it just being about the city. That's, that's kind of uh, so how it became a cesspool of violence and corruption it is today, and uh, yeah, interesting. This is all very interesting. It's a it's a Slam Bradley book basically. Yeah, um, I also, and I expect you'll probably get, you know, some some Waynes. If not his parents, then maybe his grandparents. Yeah, yeah. it's just two generations before Batman, so. Yeah, yeah, grandparents, there you go then. Yeah. Um, maybe some Cobblepots, maybe some, uh... oh, what's Hushy's family name again? Elliot. Elliot, there you go, maybe some Elliot's. Some Canes, yeah. of course. Martha's family. Yeah. yeah. But it could hit some similar vibes to, um... Like Gates of Gotham, I could see that, yeah. Which I actually quite like that mini. Um, oh, that but... variant's quite nice as well. The Sok or the the Marquez? Uh, they're both good, but I uh, I think I'm looking at the the Marquez, just the the purple sort of in the rain in the background. And oh yeah, I don't, I don't recognize that one. Well, it looks like the Wayne's at the bottom, but oh, I don't know if it is the Wayne's, but it looks like it looks like the Wayne's with the baby. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that is Marquez. Yeah. That's a nice cover. Honestly, it has three very nice covers. Um, I'm a little bit cynical that the. I mean, right, okay. First off, this does not mean that it, is, it won't be a good story. I'm, I'm sure Tom King has a perfectly fine, you know, Slam Bradley noir kind of set. What well, I'm assuming is going to be like, you know, forties or fifties sort of kind of story. As a premise, perfectly fine. Really cynical with them calling it Gotham Year One because. Oh, really? No. It's a little bit... 
I just feel like the marketing angle on that name, if any, which I get, but I, I really feel it being cynical with... It's not, it's not a year one for a character anymore, it's just Gotham. I kind of like it. Really? Yeah, well, no, I mean... Maybe it's just me. Well, I mean, like, DC have these terms that they come back to, you know, they have their rebirths, they have their crises, they have their, uh, you know, the year ones, and... Honestly, it's kind of refreshing that it's not a character you're what it's something else. It's, uh, I don't know. I mean, I always think of Gotham as a character in of itself, you know, it's always something people say. So, I don't know. I think it's kind of neat. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and oh, you I just, know, Tom, I love it. Fill her into the description. Uh, there will be Wayne's. Uh, Tom King, uh, when it comes to lesser characters b list, c list, whatever slam bradley counts as probably a bit further down generous yeah <laughs> um that tends to be where tom king shines in a miniseries so i am hopeful and optimistic for this i would say i'm glad probably glad it's only six issues in terms of tom king minis i think a lot of them can they can get a little bit overlong sometimes i completely disagree i don't think any of them have been but that's you know whatever Right. Uh, and again, yeah, my personal just yeah, kind of <laughs> down on a lot of the Tom King minis right now. So it's uh, hard to add excited for this, even even with gorgeous Phil Hester out. Rorschach, 10 out of 10. Uh, Strange Adventures, 10 out of 10. Mr. Merkel, 10 out of 10. Uh, Human Target so far, 10 out of 10. I, I've had no problems with any of these 12-issue series. So... <laughs> All right. Very good. Um, oh, Batman Catwoman. But, I mean, that's kind of a weird case. Because it's at like the end of his awkward Batman run. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> Skeleton yeah. Time's been fun. Me and Matt have both enjoyed Skeleton Time. Uh, Which is notably, I think, only a six issue. One, it is. Right? But it's very, it's, very, it's very different to his other other books. So we'll see yeah. where this one falls into. Uh, next up, Batman Incorporated issue one. Oh, I'm, I'm ready to yawn already. Uh, Ed Brisson writing with John Timms on the art. Uh, let's see what the description says. This Obviously, the broad idea of what Batman Incorporated is is not that hard to get, but, but you know, if there's any, like, particular lineup or whatever. For the pages of Batman... Go on. For the pages of Batman comes an all-new, all-exciting adventure for Ghostmaker and his Batman Incorporated team. Oh, yeah, I can't wait. The team's trust issues and detective skills are immediately put to the test when someone from Ghostmaker and Batman's recent past is brutally murdered. What, Clown Hunter? I would suspect not, given no. that Clown Hunter is on the team. Ah, okay. Is an isolated event sending a message? Is it an isolated event? Sorry, or sending a message to the two? Or is this the start of something darker and more sinister? Hint: It's sinister and dark. Very good. Very witty. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not a big fan of Batman Incorporated as a concept. Anyway, I'm not a big fan of Ghostmaker as a character. So I I'm open to Batman Inc. I I like previous incarnations of it. Um, this one that we kind of set up at the end of um, Williamson's Batman stuff that we had. When there, I know there was the, an annual that I don't think any of us actually read because we we saw it was Ghostmaker and Ghostmaker Ed Brisson Batman Inc. set up, and we were all kind of just out on that from the premise. I think so. I don't think anyone actually read it, but uh, yeah, this isn't surprising. Um, no, I mean, I'd say I'd give issue one a try, but the fact that it was maybe set up in that annual, and I may already feel behind. Yeah, I feel like it's a case of 
if you enjoyed that annual, you'll probably enjoy this book. I mean, uh, it would stand to reason anyway. Uh, maybe. Uh, also, Cloud Hunter on that cover, it looks like he's suddenly like 22 versus like 12 that he was Does up he? until recently. Uh-huh. He looks out. Okay, he looks like a, at least a foot and a half taller. Look at him! Uh, I mean, I mean, that's just a weird perspective thing, but sure. He was a child! <laughs> he was like 15, 16. He was a child in, in that Batman run. I died. No, 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 no. Uh, next up, GCPD, The Blue Wall, Issue 1. This is another six-issue miniseries, obviously a Gotham-based book. Uh, written by John Ridley, art by Stefano Raphael. This is interesting. Uh, still relatively early in her tenure as GCPD commissioner, Renee Montoya sets to rebuild her department and restore public faith in the, history, in the historically troubled PD during some of the worst conditions it's ever seen. But Renee can't do it alone. In order for her to plan to work, everyone from the utmost officials, officials sorry, all the way down to the most fresh-faced, new officers must contend with the harsh realities of being a symbol of law and order in a city of superpowered saviors and superhuman lawlessness. This is interesting. It is sounds a- like a spiritual successor to... Um, it says Gotham Centrally, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm all for this. In fact, this is the sort of thing that I think is more exciting to see John Ridley's name attached because I feel he like... He probably has very strong opinions on, on this stuff. Sure, yeah, but like more just because what I liked about his writing was more the the characters rather than the superheroics of it. So the idea that you're just giving him a book with like the the regular people, mm-hmm. I'm kind of into that. Uh, this is oh, this is a nice little surprise in the solicits here. Yes. Listen to Tom King book, I'm like, okay, that's a couple of interesting new little miniseries starting in October. Alright, okay, okay. Very good. Um, so, yeah, cool. Um, yeah, alright, moving on. Uh, Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, issue 5. Yeah, there was an announcement this week that they're actually altering the title of the, the event halfway through. Uh, so... I mean, people, th- apparently this this was the title the whole time. They just didn't want to spoil it. I mean, people are going to call it Dark Crisis just for short anyway, so it doesn't really matter that much. But uh, yeah, okay, not much to really say. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm already kind of out on the event anyway, and this just makes me more cynical and out on it more. I'm I've been reading it because there was a promise of some certain characters showing up, and now I feel like I'm just like I'm forced into reading it, but I'm not enjoying it. Uh, I've been enjoying the event. I liked the first two issues. Uh, so did Matt, for what it's worth. Uh, the title change I just don't really care about. It's just it's just kind of a weird gimmick. Uh, yeah. Well, than anything else. But, uh, yeah. Uh, I will say, uh, a couple of wonky faces on that cover. Just, uh... <laughs> I'll, just I'll just mention that and, and move on. Um, Dark Crisis, the Deadly Green, issue one. Uh, this is Joshua Williamson, Dan Waters, Ram V, and others, which I assume means it's going to be a bunch of shorter stories in, in this one shot. Probably. Uh, uh, so this is a, another tie-in. I don't think this was one that we knew about before. I think this is like one that no, this was announced. Yeah. So, yeah, we're getting Superman Swamp Thing 
uh, uncovering the secrets of the Great Darkness. So, uh, it seems like an interesting enough tie-in, I suppose. Uh, I can't deny that, you know, like, Ram V, Dan Waters, there's, there's some names there that, that are of oh, interest. Definitely. So, yeah. So, an extra tie-in one-shot in October. It's a 48-page book. So, cool. Uh, similarly, Dark Crisis Worlds Without a Justice League, Green Arrow, issue one. So, Stephanie Phelps and Clayton Henry doing this one. It's another one of these one-shots slash... You know, because it's like one-shots, but there's six of them, so it's kind of a six-issue mini is... Really, if you stop thinking about yeah. it. Uh, so that's the October one. Yep, moving on. Dark Crisis showing just issue five, issue five of that many tie in. There you go. So obviously, that's all the Dark Crisis stuff bundled together. We're as doing expect. Mixapitalic Sun, apparently. Uh, and Young Justice. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Flashpoint Beyond, issue six. Oh my god, is that still going? It is still so going. finished by then. Uh, and it is a glorious train wreck. Uh, you still reading it? Uh, me and Matt basically came out of issue three going, I think I'm really excited to read this every month now. Not what? because it's necessarily good, but it, it, it's it got something. It's got something. <laughs> it's got something. Okay. It, it, it keeps just throwing more wacky shit into, into it. Like, it completely, like, retcon what Krypton's history was, and, or, <laughs> and I'm like, wait, how did, how did Barry saving his mum affect, like, what Jor-El was doing? <laughs> what? <laughs> what the hell is this book? Exactly, exactly. Exactly. Okay, okay, I can't argue with that logic, I suppose. I, I read enough nonsense like that. So, yeah, I think me and Matt are both in for the long haul. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which, all which the is- way till October. Yeah, that, that, and this is the end of the long haul because this is issue six. Uh, and the flashpoint beyond uh, trade or hardcore uh, trade, yeah, uh, is solicited here as well. So, was cool. there not a point where Flashpoint Beyond was meant to be coming out like every two weeks when they announced this? Like, I, oh, I thought was... yeah, like originally, yeah, it was like every two weeks. Yeah, and then I, I think that's why in my head I'm like, oh, is that still going? Like I thought it was meant to be done. They changed that before issue one even came out, though. It wasn't. Ah, oh, fair enough. Yeah, it wasn't like a, a sudden shock after issue one. It was like before issue one even came out. It was like, nah, it's just a monthly comic now. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so that's that. Uh, and then they've also got a Death of Superman 30th Anniversary Edition coming out. Uh, hardcover. Uh, it's it's kind of a weird sell this because yeah, I think you're better getting the omnibus, which has the whole story. But probably, know. but maybe if they if they're gonna release other deluxe editions as well, like. Yeah, yeah, sure. The next part of the story. That's not. This isn't a bad option because some people prefer deluxe if, editions if they to omnis because they're more manageable to read. Sure, but that's only if they do deluxes of the next two. Yeah. If they don't, then it's just kind of a weird standalone thing that doesn't have an ending. Um, Superman: Son of Kal El is just sixteen, so we're onto the, the sort of the regular monthlies now. Uh, after all the new stuff and the event stuff, Clark returned. Yes, yes, they announced that this week. This is Kal-El Returns Part 2. I assume Action Comics will be Part 1, which... Oh, that's Part 3. What's Part 1 in? Uh, it must have been in the previous ones, but maybe uh, they didn't name it because they yeah, didn't want to tell yeah. it. Yeah, maybe they were trying to hide it for spoiler's sake. Interestingly, uh, at the, the end of the uh, Son of Kal-El solicit, uh, Lex Luthor set, sets his deadly, deadly machinations in motion towards the Master Action Comics 1050. So, yes. A big thing for that issue, I guess, and kind of that's kind of matter to both books. 
Yeah, it's still Taylor writing Son of Kal-El, but yeah, there's clearly some uh, work together going on here in the two Superman books. And this is action 1048 that's solicited here, so it's only two months, so it'll be December is when 1050 hits. And I assume it'll be an oversized issue, and they'll do a I mean, they've been doing that on all the 25s and 50s for most books. Yeah, yeah. It, it won't be the, you know, because I'm, I'm sure 1100 will maybe be, maybe not 100 pages, but I'm sure it'll be really hefty. <laughs> yeah, that said, because now we're back to monthly, we've got a good few years till that happens. True, true, yeah. But, uh... Yeah, so I really like that cover for action, actually. There's a lot of painting. Yeah, he's flying yeah. towards the, the, the cameras that were. Oh, uh, oh, look at that. There's a Black Adam movie variant. <laughs> I didn't have to read the description to know. <laughs> you, you, I flicked through it. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. Can you smell what Teth Adam is cooking? I, I, I guess that's coming out around this time. Mm. I don't actually know when it's coming out anymore. I think it is October, it sounds right. <laughs> yeah. I kind of uh, lost track with it. Everything good, different dates all the time. Speaking of new deluxe edition, Superman Birthright's getting a deluxe, and isn't it interesting that Mark Wade just started doing work at DC again, and now one of his stories is getting a deluxe? It feels like uh, bridges have been men mended here. Sure. But this was always prime for a deluxe, and I'm surprised it didn't have one already. Unless it did, and it's just out of print. I don't think it had a, I don't think it had a deluxe. It had like just a nice hard, uh, not even a hardcover, it was just a paperback it had. Yeah, I've got the I've got the paperback for sure. But um, yeah, I wouldn't surprise me if Diddy was like not doing it out of spite before, and now possible. You know, I'd, I'd pick a bit of look to this. It's a perfect story for a you know, here's a single contained yeah twelve issue twelve issue book, with yeah. some nice you know little you are. It, it's a story that uh, Man of Steel claimed it was kind of adapting, but obviously completely missed the point. Much much like Zack Snyder's other comic book adaptation, Watchmen. What, what we're saying is. <laughs> It ad it adapted it for the trailer. Yes. Uh, so there you go. Uh, Wonder Woman Historia, the Amazon's issue three is finally coming out in October. Yep. Um, uh, I believe. Uh, I think Kelly Sue won uh, an Eisner for the for, for this, and I know uh, uh, Jimenez, who did the, the first issue, won an Eisner for that issue uh, yeah. last night as we record this. I didn't look up the Eisners, but I did see that Nightwing didn't win any of his nom <laughs> nominations. It didn't. Um, Tynan won Best Writer, I believe, overall. Oh, okay, okay. Which, that's, that's good. pretty fair. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Uh, they're doing a complete collection of Wonder Woman Earth 1, so that'll be all three volumes that and one big uh, soft cover. It's a shame it's a soft cover, but... Mm. I mean, it's a pretty nice collection still, I imagine. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've not read these, so I don't know if it, maybe it does end in a cliffhanger or something that is going to be more, but it kind of feels like putting this book out is kind of saying, yeah, this is going to be all of it. This is it now. Probably. Yeah. But three volumes isn't terrible. You know, that's a respectable amount. It's all Morrison and Paquette, so it'll be very consistent. So, as has been the tradition the last few years, October gets the big horror-themed one-shot, the 80-pager, uh, and this year's is called DC's Terrors Through Time. Uh, we got Paul Levitz, Carla Pacheco, Jeremy Hahn, Tim Seeley, Zach Thompson, and others writing with Peter Wynn, Juan Doe, Kelly Jones, Andy McDonald, and more on the art. So obviously it's going to be an anthology book. Uh, it yeah. looks like there's some Super Sun shenanigans. It's going to be them kind of maybe, I don't know, acting as storytellers. Yeah. or it, it tells you zombies with the JSA in the 40s, Gotham City Sirens in the 90s, Swamp Thing in the future, 
and you know presumably other things but oh there's a, a really cool uh vhs cover it's like an old speaking of vhs covers did you see the uh superman 78 deluxe no so obviously um they didn't like announce this beforehand, but under the dust jacket, obviously, you know, a lot of books is just you know plain black, or whatever. But sometimes you know, you'll have some nice art printed on it as well. They've essentially done it as a VHS tape uh, underneath the dust jacket, and it looks really good. Oh, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, DC Horror presents Sergeant Rob versus the Army of the Dead issue two. I don't think you were here for solicits last month, but this is Bruce Campbell writing this baby. Yeah, I remember reading about this. Um, <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, "What?" Yeah. Uh, so, interestingly, as well, that not even like a co-writer or anything. No, uh, just him. Which just... is what you usually see in these scenarios. He's he's like, "No, I can just do this," and you know, it's like Army of the Dead is legally distinct from Army of Darkness, so no one can sue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there yep. we go. Uh, next up, deceased War of the Undead Gods. This is issue three of eight of the final deceased story. Uh, so not much to say. Obviously, we're looking forward to it. Uh, it's not started yet. Uh, static Shadows of Dakota, issue one. This is a new six-issue static mini uh, with Nicholas Draper, Ivy, and Vialia on on writing uh, with uh, Draper, Ivy on art. So, uh, yeah, cool. Hmm. Thing. Um, I guess they're still continuing the, the milestone books. Yeah, I've been pretty committed to do having a couple of books out uh consistently yeah so uh and we got batman versus robin issue two uh this is the mark wade book which is uh loosely connected to world's finest which actually we can talk about a bit more today when we talk about the book because it actually has a little teaser for this uh in it this week yeah. so i i'm not big on um asra's art i have dropped books in the past because i've not enjoyed his art that much which is very disappointing for me personally coming into this We'll see. Uh, I don't remember if I felt particularly I strongly. I don't know if you'll. Have, I don't know if he's been on any DC books. Uh, so I don't okay. know if you'll have read anything. Yeah, I feel like I'll, I'll be too into Mark Wade writing to like. I mean, I'll, I'll complain if the art's bad. Don't get me wrong, but or if it's not to my taste. But I, I, it would have to be pretty. You know, I never dropped action when JRJR was on it. <laughs> And there, there was temptation. I, I would have dropped it with JRJR. There was temptation. Even, 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 you know, let's put the Bendis question aside for a moment. If I'd had to sit through that many issues of JRJR, I would have dropped that so fast. Yes, one there... issue, I'd have been like, if it, if it was a one issue fill in, you're sure you struggle through it. Two issues, maybe, but three, four, five, six issues. Oh, oh no, that's, that's going. Commiserations to Spider Man fans at the moment. <laughs> um, uh, it's fine. They, they got Dan Slot back. Yeah, worth mentioning as well. This is a five issue mini. This Batman versus Robin, and it's a uh, forty eight page each issue. So it's, it's an interesting format. They're going for like five bigger issues rather than typical six normal ones or or whatever. So five bigger issues is probably closer to eight, maybe eight to ten. Yeah, get yeah. in that range. So uh, curious to see. I'll speculate a little bit more later. We might talk about World's Finest because uh, there's some some stuff in there. Uh, the Batman Scooby Doo Mysteries issue one. I guess I guess they're uh starting that up again. Uh, we got Batgirls issue eleven. Uh, Neil Gouge on the art for this issue. Uh, with the usual writing team. So Gouge isn't terrible. See how that is. I I can be a little hit and miss in Gouge depending. I I remember he did some Flash issues that I really didn't like that much. I don't think he suited Flash at all. But 
Uh, yeah, but this sort of book, which is pretty stylistic anyway, because Corona's mm. got, you know, pretty distinctive style, might fit a bit better. So we'll see, we'll see. Uh, Batman Nightwatch issue two. Um, I forgot this from last month, Chloe. Yeah, I don't know what this one is, because that, that description is like nothing. Yes, yeah, so there's not a lot to it. Uh, so I'm just going to move on, but uh, uh, that's going there too. That's a miniseries. Uh, Batman Superman World's Finest issue 8, which is still uh, going here. And Dan Moore is on the art, still here on issue issue 8. There well, have, he, he's uh, finished with Once and Future now, so he's freed yeah. up. I think there was a... I want to say there was a fill-in in one of the solicits, either for 6 or 7. Um, Probably. But, so I'm just... I'm, that's why I'm saying, oh, I'm happy to see Dan Moore's name there. Maybe he was on last month as well, and I've just forgotten, but... Uh, all, all good. Uh, so... No, interesting stuff. Uh, but yeah, Reckless Youth continues as Superman and Batman continue to mentor Boy Thunder. So we're we're playing with a, a Superman sidekick that that, that that he's doing a story about. Okay, I'm curious. I'm curious. Uh, Batman Beyond the White Knight issue six, uh, which is not the final issue. It's an eight issue miniseries, so keep that in mind. But that's coming that's out. Very nice Fiona Staples variant. I'll give it that. October. Oh, I do like the stapler. Hmm. I do like the stapler. Uh, Batman Fortress issue 6. What the hell is going on in that book? I do not know. Definitely I'm just looking wacky. at that cover. I'm like, what? Some sort of crystal monster. Like crystal doomsday. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe someone will make you read it, Connor. Mm, if they do, I'm not reading all the other issues again. <laughs> That's only funnier, to be honest. Uh, Batman The Audio Adventures Issue 2, uh, so that's coming out. And then we got Batman The Night Issue 10, so that's wrapping up in October. Um, and the front cover, <laughs> this is quite funny because I, I think I joked that it could end with the, yes, father, I should become a bat. <laughs> and the cover it, it of this, might, yeah. yeah, the cover of this is the bat coming through the window. <laughs> also, that Federici variant is utterly phenomenal. Oh yeah, pull, pulling out the gorgeous. katana. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, no, I could see how he wraps that up. Um, yeah, more on that later, because we had an issue this week. Uh, Batman Urban Legends, issue 20, with stories by Jim Zub, Joey Esposito, Chris Burnham, and Nadia Shamas. So... Um, no, interesting names in there. Jim Zub, I don't think I've seen on a DC book in knows how long. Yeah, he's one of those names that just pops up in random Marvel things, I feel. He does, like, a lot of Marvel stuff. He did, like, some of those Avengers side books not so long ago. I think he's part of the the writing team on the the weekly Spider-Man that's yeah. been going on. But I've never, I've never... Well, I stopped now, but... Yeah, yeah, all right, well, yeah. he was on that. Yeah. I've never heard anyone talk about a Jim Zub run, though. Like, no one ever talks yeah, about... Yeah, he has a lot of creator-owned stuff. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah but... Batman Monster Hunter is what he, you know, he's doing. Joe Esposito's got a new story start, a new four-part story. Oh, that's cool. Um, Chris Burnham again, you know, so, you know, I don't think of him much as a writer. To be, you know, I'm very familiar with his art, so that's kind of interesting. He's doing an Alfred saga, apparently. Yeah. Uh, next up, we got Black Adam issue five. Uh, this is out of twelve, of course. Uh, this series. Uh, it's a very colourful cover compared to uh, the the more. Yeah, the, the the second cover, which may be the main cover. I mean, sometimes they, they swap them around. Uh, is far more in style of what I expect from the covers in this 
given all the previous covers, but uh, uh cool. Uh, then we got Black Adam, Just Society Files, Doctor Fate issue one. They've had a few of these. Obviously, it's just you know cashing in for the movie, pretty yep. much. Uh, Blood Syndicate season one issue six, uh, which is the final issue of that miniseries coming out. Catwoman issue forty eight. Uh, still Tina Howard. Uh, it's it's Batman meeting the new lover. Is, is oh, what this God. issue is by the sounds of it. It's still really nice covers though. The covers are still very nice, but I am glad I'm out. I'm glad I'm out. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't blame you on that. But, yeah, man, those covers. DC versus Vampires issue ten with a pretty nifty cover actually, uh, with Huntress and Batgirl on it. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that's a uh, two that's away from a, the end. That's a kill on March cover. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So it's a surprisingly decent cover then from Gil and March. It's not as scratchy as his usual work. It's not, no. Oh. I wonder if this is what he can do when he takes some time and does you know just a cover as opposed to rushing through sure. a 20-page issue. There's a different... Uh... For an art form, in a way, after all. Uh, so, interesting. Uh, we got DC vs. Vampires All Out War issue 4, uh, which has got Mary Marvel on the cover. Um, and then we have DC Mech issue 4. Uh, so we'll be getting the first issue of this later this month, I think. So we'll, we'll see how this Mech like, alternative to I'm Jurassic like, League. T- tentatively hopeful for just not like a, a good book, but just, you know, something fun. Hmm. Uh, Deathstroke Inc. issue 14 uh, will be out. Ed Brisson on this uh, with Dexter. Yeah, he's been doing Deathstroke year one. I don't know if either of you and Matt read the last issue, which was, you know, the first one after the uh, Shadow War event. I mean, I wasn't reading it anyway before, so I, I definitely that's, didn't. That's when this run started, which is why I didn't ah. know if you jumped on to check it out. Ah, no, no, no. I didn't even realise, to be honest. Um, yeah. Detective Comics 1065. Uh, obviously, this is uh, still Ram V's run, which we're obviously very close to starting. That's next, next week, week, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and then we got Duo Issue 6, uh, which is the final issue of that. We have Fables 156, uh, which is Issue 6 of 12, which is really funny when it's Issue 156, but I know what they mean by that, but it's still a yeah. bit weird. Uh, so, cool. Uh, Future State Gotham Issue 18, uh, final, final issue. issue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. I mean, Future State will have lasted a good couple of years by that point, right? Or was it only a year? It was the start of last year, yeah. Yeah. It was January, yeah. February. So. Yeah, I mean, not bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's wrapping up uh, with Dennis Culver in October. Then we got Harley Quinn issue 23. No, I don't have yeah. much to say. I am Batman issue 14. From John Ridley in October as well. Uh, Mad Magazine issue 28. Uh, Monkey Prince issue 7, uh, which is. I've probably said this before, but is that an ongoing? Because I was looking for the, like, out of how many there, but no. no. Yeah, I think it must be, because I don't see an out of. Uh, Multiversity 18 Justice issue 5 is out on October, and that is, that is an ugly cover, I have to say. Just as I'm, I hate to be mean, but I'm just scrolling past it and I'm like, oh, there's some weird body proportions going on here. 
Yeah, it's it's not great, especially when you look at the next cover. You got like the Stephanie Hands, like really gorgeous painted cover. Oh sure, yeah. Uh, but next cover down though is Nightwing issue uh, ninety seven. Sorry, and that is gorgeous. Is this? Oh man, that is. Redondo is killing it with these covers. They're yeah, so it's stylistic. Just... They're all in the same sort of style of the city, right? Well, I mean, this one's a plain white background, and you've got effectively the silhouettes of Nightwing and Batgirl in front, but in the silhouette you have like the lights of the buildings inside the city. Uh, but the one, but the one thing that's not in silhouette is like the yellow of her cape and the blue of his, like you know, symbol and whatnot. So, yeah, it's it's a very like, you, I mean, like he, a lot of his that he's been playing with the, the the city and making characters out of the city or showing it you know like through them in this case which, it's been a consistent theme which not only is it good looking but it's also thematically very accurate to what the book's going for so it, it's kind of a, a win-win in that sense so i like the uh the third cover as well ah it's not bad it's not bad uh poison ivy issue five is out in october very good uh yeah. Roots on the cover, so that's kind of nice. I did just think that as well. <laughs> uh, Scooby-Doo, where are you? Issue one eighteen's out in October. Superman issue one facsimile edition. Uh, so yeah, just a. Uh, sure, why not? Yeah, Sword of Azrael issue three for all of Azrael's twelve fans. <laughs> they get to uh, enjoy. More I'm of still this annoyingly tempted issues. though, because Dan was, even though eh, cares about Azrael. Yeah, uh, and Nicola. Last name unpronounceable uh, on art. <laughs> go on, give it a go. What? Why, why is there so many accents? Why do like? What's the point of accents if every letter has an accent? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have no idea. It's like basically the same. You want a second alphabet because every single letter has a, an accented variant. <laughs> I critique it. I critique it. Anyway, the Flash issue seven eight seven uh, is is coming out. Uh, Still Jeremy Adams. Yeah, no, I'm just, like, the first part of the solicit, it says, it's Monday night somewhere. Mondays, am I right? And the reason why I'm sort of doing a second take is because the cover is, like, in a wrestling ring, and I think it's actually a reference to the fact that Monday night is kind of considered a wrestling night. So I think that's an intentional thing. Probably. Uh, So, yeah, you said the Monday night wars and all that jazz. Uh, the Flash, the fastest man alive, issue two. Uh, oh, the lead into the Flash movie that, that no one wants to see anymore. No one wants to see. Yes, and is now surrounded by controversy because the lead actor is up yeah. to all sorts of shenanigans. Uh, the Human Target, issue eight. Super excited for this. Uh, very nice cover, as they've pretty much all been. The variant's very nice as well. So, very good. That's a nice variant, yeah. Uh, Jurassic League, issue six. The final issue. Uh, of our inaugural dinosaur Justice League. I say that because it wouldn't surprise me if there's like a, oh, Jurassic League 2, the lost multiverse is coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, assuming it sells reasonably well, I would not be surprised at all to see more of this. Uh, obviously, it will be sales dependent, but it's, it's an easy thing to, you know, an easy concept to exploit for more. Yeah. Uh, the new champion of Shazam, issue three. This is of four. This is the, the Doc Shenner drawn uh, Mary Marvel becoming the, the main Shazam character story. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking forward to it, may I add. Uh, nice House in the Lake, issue 11. So the penultimate issue of that's out in October. So that's a big deal. Yeah. Exciting stuff. 
Uh, then we got Tim Drake Robin issue two, which I know Connor's so excited for. Oh, look at that, Tim Drake with that, that Rosmo head. Ugly cover. Oh, oh, look at it. Look at his head. Also, why has he got two bow staffs that are like he's holding them like the the dicks Christmas sticks, but they're like long, like they're almost bow staffs. Uh, well, they're, they're just stretched out because it's you know it's Rosmo's stretched out art, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate it so much. That's that's why all the male characters love Rosmo as an artist because they they all look well endowed with Rosmo drawing them. Admittedly, their foreheads and their chins also look well endowed, which is not <laughs> ideal. But I hate it so much. Um, Titans United Blood Pact issue two. Oh, it's, it starts by saying Tim Drake is having the worst day. You're damn right, he is. Riley Rosmo's drawing. <laughs> Wonder Woman seven nine two. Uh, coming out. Uh, we got young. Uh, sorry, still the same Ryan team. No change there. It is, yeah. Uh, young Justice targets issue four, coming out. Uh, obviously that's the one that ties into the the animated show. Uh, and then we got uh the collections. Yeah, so we got Aquaman, uh, getting collected. We got Arkham City, Order of the World, the Dan Waters book being collected into soft cover. Uh, Catwoman Volume 1, this is the first Teeny Howard uh, arc. I'm glad they're at least just labelling it Volume 1. Yeah, that's fine. I have no issues with that. Uh, Just League Volume 2, United Order, this is the second Bendis hardcover. Which ended up being quite a relatively short run, to be honest. So I imagine there's only probably one more after that. Um, yeah, because <laughs> it ended just before... 75 was yeah. not his issue. But it was before, so it was 74 his last issue? Right? Yeah. Yeah, one more after that then. And then we got One Star Squadron, the Mark Russell book being collected. Uh, we got Rogues, which obviously we're one issue away from the end. Getting, solicited it's getting, a, getting a nice hardcover. Yeah, as, as you'd expect. Uh, so that's very nice. Uh, Sleeper Omnibus, uh, so reprinting Sleeper, uh, which I've never read, but I've heard uh, positive things about it. So Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Uh, yeah, book. I own it all on Comicology. Um should probably read it at some point yeah uh, so it consists of a five issue mini and then there's two sleeper seasons so there's sleeper season one which is 12 issues and then season two is 12 issues then a couple of one shots so it's a really hefty overall thing uh but that is cool superman the authority the grant morrison book being collected in the software i assume that already had a hardcover because it's been a while uh maybe because no? it's usually a year between Hardcover and softcover. So I don't think it's been that long. So I think maybe it's just straight to paperback. I could be wrong, though. I mean, Rogues is solicited here, and that's, like, not even finished yet. Yeah, but also, like, that that Bendis, Justice League, that's the hardcover. And that's only the second one of those. So they're still, like, I quite suppose. far behind on that. Uh, Superman Summer Kill, Volume 2. Uh, doesn't really need much explanation. Other History of DC Universe is getting its softcover release. Uh, World of Krypton, uh, which I forgot existed. We all dropped that after like the first issue, but uh, yeah. there you go. Uh, Young Justice Book 6. Uh, that's that's the last thing here, but it's nice to see this is the Peter David run, and I just, I'm always happy to see them sort of stick to these runs and finish them uh, with these thicker this is the collections. the final volume of that. Uh, yeah, I'd expect probably about there. Yeah. yeah. So. I mean, it, it, that, that's probably not cutting anything short i don't know for sure without checking but i'm perfectly willing to believe yeah this is where that run ended 
Oh, six pro- more weeks. Probably, yeah. And then John's obviously is the, the next big run, which has already been collected in the bigger trades. So, uh, that's cool to see. So there you go. That is the the solicits for October. There, there is actually a, a bit of sad news to tack onto this. There was a there was a death uh, uh, this week in the comics industry. Alan Grant, who was a uh, a long time Batman writer, uh, died this week. So uh, definitely worth mentioning out that. Um, obviously, no relation to the Jurassic Park character or that one guy that I knew in university who also had the exact same name. <laughs> it's a very common name, apparently. I mean, he, he was a, a British guy, so maybe, maybe there is some relation to, oh, to maybe, the guy you do. Maybe he's some sort of like distant nephew who get named after him. Oh. I mean, you can't rule it out. Uh, Did you ever ask? I didn't, no. I didn't, I didn't think to say, hey, that Batman writer from the early 90s and the late 80s, you know, is, is that your... Uh, is yeah. that- I really yeah, he, he, did, he did a lot of stuff working for 2000 AD as well. Like, yeah, yeah. The... yeah. So, so yeah, no, we're just definitely worth mentioning uh, that as well. Um, and I'm just going to have a quick look and see if anything interesting happened at the, oh. the Hall H. Uh, just uh, while you glance, there was sure. another issue announced for December um, at Comic Con. Uh, we're getting another Batman Spawn crossover. Uh, I think it's just a one shot. Um, coming out in December. Yeah, Todd McFarlane announced it uh, during G- uh, Jim Lee and Friends panel. Uh, yeah, their first crossover since '94, which is surprising, but yeah, mm-hmm. for fans of Spawn, which apparently there are lots of them. I've never met one, but apparently there there are lots of them. Uh, yeah, you you get some more. Yeah, uh, so I th- I assumed it'd be finished pretty much by the time you're done, but apparently they're only on like like they've done Shazam's panel and they're doing Black Adams now. Uh, so it's entirely possible if anything just does come out of it, it's likely to happen. But uh, we can glance back at the end of the show. Yeah, it, it doesn't look like that. Amanda Waller's in Black Adam. Is that news? <laughs> no. Is it is it still what's her name? I think I don't know. It didn't say, but I assume so. No. I, assume, I mean, she's going to be in the TV show that they're doing at HBO Max, so I'd assume they're going to still have her in the movie. That's true. I just... I, I don't know how much any of this stuff's actually connected anymore. Ah, uh, yeah, I don't know either. I don't know. I don't think, I don't think they know. That's probably also... Well, there's a lot of rumours that Henry Cavill was going to show up and announce a, a Superman appearance of some kind. Yeah, of course he is. Whether it's like an actual movie or just, oh, I'm, I'm going to show up with... Like, the tease me in Shazam, so I'm going to actually show up properly in Shazam 2 for 10 seconds. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I can believe that. Um, And, you know, I'm between mustaches, so no, no trickery. So we're all good, yeah. No trickery needed this time. Just so weird that that was, like, five years ago already. Oh, don't tell me that. I know, it just time's flying. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to think about that. Dark Knight Rises is 10 years old. So that was this week, the, the 10th anniversary. I saw lots of great Bane gifts being shared back for nostalgia's sake. I saw a thing the other day. It was like, I think the other day was the like 14 years ago when Dark Knight was released. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I saw that as a weird byproduct because my Twitter was like, hey, Mamma Mia was released 14 years ago. I'm like, wait, is that it? That feels like it was released longer ago, but apparently it was on like the same day as the Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah, I imagine they were targeting very different audiences and therefore were able to Yeah, but they, they feel like... Like, Mamma Mia feels like it's from, like, a decade before. 
Dark Knight. Like it, Dark Knight still feels relatively recent, whereas Mamma Mia feels ancient in comparison. Is that because Dark Knight is more prevalent in pop culture and is referenced more often? Could be. Or is it just because I don't know, Dark Knight was ahead of his time? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I like I don't know what the answer to that is, but it you know, just it caught me off guard because I I know when Dark Knight came out, but it still doesn't feel that long ago, really. No, but. no, it doesn't. I mean, it's this weird thing where movies that came out like a year before I was born feel like felt ancient when I was a kid when they were only technically eight years old. But now movies that are nearly 20 years old, like, wait, no, that's can't be 20 years old. It just came out. What are you talking about? Yeah, it, it's true with a lot of movies, especially, you know, like, you know, like post 9-11, you know, you had that you know, big shift in the movie industry as well, like reacting, you know, in, in all of culture, but a lot of movies you know, reacted to reflect that. And I feel like, you know, we're still kind of in that, you know, that modern era of movies. So a lot of them still feel like they're pretty recent in that regard. To an extent, I mean, I think it was, if you watch a lot of 2000s movies now, if you've not seen them in a while, you do actually start to notice how things have changed since then. And you, you do start to sort of yeah. form a, this is what the 2000s is. The 2010s aren't quite there yet because we're only just out of that decade. You know, it's only been a mm-hmm. couple of years. But by the time we get to the end of this decade, we'll start to look at the 2010s and go, oh, I can kind of see what this decade is now. Probably. But I'm, I'm thinking even things like the, uh, like Casino Royale, for example. Like, that was 2005? Six. six? Right? But it, it, it feels like a... It feels more modern than that, I would say, having rewatched it not that long ago. I have a weird opinion on this one because I'm I stay away from the Bond stuff, so it feels as old as it is to me. <laughs> oh, that's fair. Because there's been like four. Watched this since 2006. There's been like four or five movies since then, and I'm like, yeah, it feels like there's been a lot of Bond since. And it was weird watching the last Bond that came out what, last year, um, where it was literally just picking up threads that were set up in Casino Royale, which was like, you know, closer to 20 years ago at this point. It was weird just seeing it, like, just pick up these threads. Exactly. I'm like, yeah, if, you, if you've not watched that movie in a while, probably screwed. Hmm. Yeah, there's been, like, ten season TV shows that started and finished in between those two movies uh, coming out. This is true. Yeah, it's weird. So Dial Craig's in the new one. He's got a walker. He's, you know, he's chasing yeah. the bad guys with his walker. You, you, you probably had, like, an entire NCIS spin-off between them. <laughs> so... Yeah, so no, no exciting news as of as of yet. But I suspect if they do have something juicy, it'll be right at the end of their panel to announce. Um, yeah, and then Marvel's got theirs uh, later today. Uh, oh, thrilling. Yeah, I'm not excited either. But people are expecting because it's been a while that there's probably going to be a lot of like, here's the next slate we, of movies. We, we can find out more about the animated Spider-Man show that's coming in 2024. I think people are thinking more X-Men movies than, than Probably. that. But... That's what they announced yesterday. A Spider-Man anime. I don't know if it was announced already before, but they shared, oh, we've got Charlie Cox voicing Daredevil in this thing in, you know, two years away. Like, thrilling. Oh, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. I'll definitely watch that. Yeah, yeah, 100%. You, you watch all the Disney Plus things, don't you? Every, everything that's on there, no matter what. Oh, yeah, of course. All right, let's talk about comics. What we got today? Nightwing, issue 94, Tom Taylor 
and Geraldo Borges on the art. So, not redondo this this year. And the art's not bad, but it's not redondo, and you you feel that. It that is pretty good though. Like it does a good job of at least feeling like it's part of the run and whatever else. It's not. It's not this. Oh, it's uh, not terrible. No. Yeah, it's you know it's it's, it's you know certainly I would assume the colorist might be the same and things like that because it, it definitely feels like it's keeping the same palette. Adriana uh, Lucas on colors, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, this issue is uh, Dick and Babs and Melinda are trying to basically catch out the, the corrupt commissioner right because the corrupt commissioner they scare him into going on the run because they say oh yeah by the way the the, the, the police of the, the, the corrupt cops who were arrested for the, the thing at the at haven they've named you they're coming the authorities are coming you have to get out there's a an airport ticket book for you and make sure make sure you take your incriminating files with you you yeah. don't want to leave those behind now i'm sure there's a lot of truth to all this but of course there's a they're doing this intentionally so a dick can come in and his wingsuit and you know, steal these files, get all the evidence so they can look into what uh, Blockbuster's been doing and all other shenanigans. So we get this very fun action sequence, which is very well drawn. It's got a lot of good motion to it. Uh, you know, Dick's throwing his sticks at the, the bakes. and uh, The things that I felt were missing in terms of what we've come to expect with Redondo's style on this book are things in this action sequence. Like, There's none of those... Um, uh, yeah, he's been doing those little, little like close-up panels where the color fades. You know, it's sort of like what Sorrentino does. Where all like in the middle of the action, I'll be do like a close-up small box on like the stick flying through the air or something like that. Uh, there was kind of none of that here, and that, this is where I felt like, okay, this is a fill-in artist. Yeah, but I think that's kind of selling it a little bit short because it's actually a very well-drawn sequence. It is, it is, and we just want to say it's still good. But I felt that it wasn't redone. I felt that it was different. I felt that it was lacking in that extra flair that, that what I'm used to on this book. Yeah, but I just I, I wouldn't want to start it so negatively because it's like it's a really well drawn sequence that flows immaculately. And mm-hmm. I'll be talking later about some comics where the sequences do not flow uh, at all. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm intrigued. I mean, I can probably think of at least one, but I'll be intrigued. So, I mean, this still flows wonderfully, you know, when Dick, like, jumps off the motorbike and the car crashes into it and he's, like, sort of, like, gliding over the top of the car. You know, there's a lot of motion, there's a lot of sense of spectacle. Mm. Uh, it's all very good stuff. Uh, the issue does go on quite quickly because the first half of it's this big chase scene. Um, but, yeah, so the guy gets arrested. Uh, they put in a new commissioner in Bluthaven and it is Margaret Sawyer from Metropolis. So it's like, oh, okay, that's an interesting pull. We'll see how that goes. Um, and then we shift to Blockbuster, who's not very happy about this, and he complains to Melinda about it in a minute. Uh, but he, you know, he's, he tells his henchman dude uh, that he shouldn't ask questions. And this is important because it kind of comes into something a little bit later. Uh, but he's uh, he's upset, and he's going to go talk to Melinda. Uh, he's he's upset about uh, this new commissioner. He's upset because he's pretty sure someone warned Dick Grayson before they attacked his building. So they've got a rat. Uh, and of course, there's a lot of tension here where you think, oh, he knows it's her. He knows it's her. You know, this is like, he's taking her off. Is she in danger? Is this all that? Um, so it's a good bit of tension. It does a good job of like building this tension and thinking she's in in trouble. Um, and I do love that this is Blockbuster kind of looking back at the last couple of like arcs and going, hmm... You know, my city's changing. All of a sudden, Dick, Dick Grayson's making all these moves. Someone's clearly working against me from the inside. 
uh, you know, it's, it's, it's him kind of, so it, it really did a good job of, like, continuing this feeling of, like, the story of the city and the story of, like, all the various, like, pl- big players in the city are a, an important part of the run. Uh, but he thinks the, the henchman from earlier is the one who is the rat, and because Melinda is not uh, actually evil, she wants to help him and get him out once Blockbuster leaves the scene, so she calls Dick. Uh, but immediately this guy's an asshole and just starts, you know, he blasts her with his powers and just starts yelling for Blockbuster. So the cliffhanger is that they know she's the rat and they've got her unconscious and, you know, Dick's, Dick and Babs hear enough of it over the phone that they know she's in trouble. So that, that's kind of your, your big cliffhanger for, for next issue. Yeah. If it wasn't for the one panel of Blockbuster when he walks back into the room saying, what the hell? Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for that one little line, I would have assumed he was, you know, this was all a setup to, to see if she would take the bait. Like, he he maybe suspected her the whole time. Because mm. the guy, you know, he breaks out of those restraints and uses his powers pretty easily, right? Yeah. So, I, you know, up until I was like, ah, oh, ah, oh, this, this, this is his plan. He, you know, he, he's trying to, you know, see, if, see what she'll do. But, I don't know, the, the one panel where he comes in kind of confused as to what's going on is is the one thing that makes me think maybe not yeah i i do i wonder if this is going to piss him off more next issue though that he didn't even see this coming like the idea that like she actually did convince him and trick him is just going to enrage him even more yeah you know i think there's just a potential there with that um it's very much an issue of two halves. You've got like a little, uh, there's a couple of pages in the middle with Dick and Babs being kissy whilst they're uh, looking over all these incriminating files and getting excited about taking down Blockbuster. Uh, and Haley try to eat the incriminating files, which would yeah. be awkward. But And then it, it's straight onto the, the Blockbuster Melinda stuff. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's very much the first half is this big action sequence, so you get a lot of your action fill from that. Um, Nightwing getting to be a little cocky, taking in this corrupt guy. So is this just desserts kind of side of things? And then the second half of the issue is like really well put together in that it builds up this this tension of like, okay, we start on her and then we sort of introduce, you know, Blockbuster's with her mother and she comes in and he's sitting next to her and it's like, oh, is, is the mother, like, is he kind of meant to be threatening here? Is he implying that the mother's going to be in danger if she doesn't do what he says? There's a lot of that sort of stuff going on and it just, it's, it's really well built to kind of build this story in the back half. I particularly like the part where one of the inciting incidents for this attitude where he's really like trying to figure this out now is that heartless he's really pissed off that this heartless villain just walked into his headquarters and like you know tried made a go at him yeah even if he did throw him out a window because he's like no the fact that someone was willing to try that means that we don't feel as strong or don't look as strong or, or, or we aren't as considered as strong to everyone as we should be and he isn't late looking weak he wants to be big and scary so no he's, one would ever dare definitely... challenge him overcompensating a little bit isn't he you know, yeah in, in reaction to what's going on i think that's good I think, I think it gives this this version of blockbuster layers like i'm getting a lot of like good writing from him here where yeah he's big and cartoony and he's this you know hulking evil dude but there, there's elements to this here where it's like some of his motivations are actually quite intricate and they're, they're doing a good job of setting them up yeah there was there was a moment i think it was last issue i think it was unless it was unless it was in this issue i'm, I'm kind of blurring them together it was when dick talks to the commissioner he's like hey you know at least you know with blockbuster you know i, I expect that, oh no it is in this one the point, know, yeah. The, yeah where he's like you know i, I know what he is uh, you know i can respect not respect that but at least i know what i'm getting you know you you disappoint me more because you're you know, meant to be better than that 
I think that's kind of like a lot of tells me a lot about when you with the approach. Blockbuster here is yeah, he is that, and he's kind of open about being that, but he is interesting at the same time. He's not just that you know you know one thing. He's not pretending to be other things, but he has got layers to it. Yeah, and I felt that in this this uh, the, pretty much all these scenes in this back chunk of the issue. So I'm curious to see what his reaction is to at least this accusation. Uh, and he'll probably believe it uh, based because I think does he pick up the phone at the end? I he does, remember. yeah. yeah. He, he he says something to to Dick. Yeah. So like he he doesn't have to question it. He knows this is true. Uh, so I'm curious to see what his like proper reaction to this is when he's actually one on one with her. Uh, and obviously it sets up this great like they have to find her. They have to find out where they took her to, to try and save her. You know. So it, it gives us a very simple thrilling premise for next issue if that you know if that's what we're going. Unless we skip ahead maybe till. Uh, you know, whatever. It's possible, but I, I would suspect next issue is the rescue issue. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I think that's exciting. Um, and it's that sort of thing where you know something bad's going to happen because, you know, last issue was very cathartic when they took down all the police and sort of made a laughing stock out of them. And then this issue, taking down the corrupt commissioner, it's like, okay, everything's too good, everyone's too happy, <laughs> like something bad is about to happen and give us some jeopardy. And sure enough, this is this is what it is. So, uh, yeah, really solid. Like, yeah, obviously Redondo is a better artist, but like, I still thought the art in this was really good. And no, oh, it's still good. And I, mean, I it really is. Yeah, you know, I had a great time. I started with this this week after last week, where I was kind of miserable for most of my comics. I was, like, I'm starting with Nightwing. Nightwing never lets me down. <laughs> yeah, I uh, also started with Nightwing, and I, I saved something else for last, which we'll get to later. Uh, but thoughts oh. on 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 what happened there. So it sounds like uh, what you said for last wasn't uh, a wise choice. No, no, it wasn't. <laughs> um, all right, what are you giving the issue in 94? Uh, I'm going to give it an 8. Uh, I think it's it's very good. Uh, art is still really good, but it's just missing that extra flair that would have pushed it up into like 8.5 or a 9. Yeah, I'll, I'll go 8.5, but I, I would uh, say, yeah, Redondo, if Redondo was on this issue, it'd probably be a nice, comfortable 9, but uh, as it is, I'll, I'll give it 8.5. Still very good, still giving layers, still progressing the story, and it still feels like a run that's all, you know, like, to sound pretentious for a second, it sounds like it's all one big tapestry as opposed to just, you know, a series of arcs that are just independent kind of thing. I've started to hate that word. <laughs> so it's a tapestry. Like, uh, it's all part of the tapestry, it's fine. Don't worry about it. I'll oh, piss off. <laughs> that goes for you, Star Wars Twitter, and you, Marvel Twitter. Yeah, it's all part oh. of the tapestry, like the Mighty Duck saga. Okay, uh, <laughs> uh, that was a joke, everyone, just in case anyone thinks of being remotely serious. Okay, most important tapestry of all, yes, the most important tapestry of all, of course, is uh, um. Uh, the, the Gary Busey cinematic universe. <laughs> it's all connected. That's not the it. one I thought you were going to... I thought you were going to pull out like a cheap Buffy reference or something. You're like, Because um, you know these days that would be described as a tapestry, that, that universe. Well, I mean, a long-running serialized TV show, in, in a sense, kind of is, because you know if, if it's envisioned that way... It is, but I think people now refer to tapestry in, in this current sense, with it kind of being when it's... like I, I, in, in the, I wouldn't actually call Nightwing... A tapestry in that re- in in the the current usage of the word because that tends to refer to um 
multiple things kind of playing into a larger shared universe. And yet, yet Nightwing technically is part of a shared universe, but that's oh. not other than that's how you were using it. Yeah, no, that's I would, I would never even use it for that anyway, I don't think. It's just not the way I use that word. <laughs> that's that's how culture is, is, is currently using it. Because uh, if anything, I would say that that's almost the opposite of what I mean when I'm using it, because typically when you're franchising and thinking of more spin-offs and stuff, it's not all this thought-out thing that all comes together and works because it was all planned that way. It's, no, let's keep adding more things on. More and more things. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the current usage of the word is, like, all, all the Disney Plus shows, like all the Marvel shows, they're part of the, the, the Marvel tapestry. That's the current usage of that. And I, oh. Better Call Saul is a goddamn tapestry, not your Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> yes, we are using it in a very different way to that. <laughs> so, there you go. That's my yeah. uh, my thoughts on the matter. All right. The Flash, 784, Jeremy Adams with Amanke and you helping on the art. Uh, forgive me, I can't speak today. Um... So you don't read this one. So this is just uh no, and it's a Dark Crisis time, right? Which it is, but it's it's very you know they're looking for Barry Allen. They've jumped into different uh, universes to find them. This Flash family have, and the last issue set up where each of the the teams kind of landed. And do you know what? You know, I enjoyed this issue. I'm enjoying this this little arc. Sort of, you know, even independently of Dark Crisis, I think there's a book coming. No, well, there's kind of a but, but it's not a bad but. It's just a. The but is that this read insanely quick. Like, oh, I okay. couldn't believe that I was at the end of the issue when it said, you know, next time, blah, blah, blah. I was like, wait, what? It's over? So I guess it's just maybe a slight critique because I didn't feel the the crescendo and, like, climax of an issue. And, and I think part of that's because it's split into three because it's, like, following three groups. So we start off in the Mad Max Fury Road uh, Flash universe that uh, Max Mercury and Jesse Quick have went to. And Barry's, you know, basically Mad Max in this, going down the desert, being chased with all these vehicles. <laughs> the hell is going on in this book? <laughs> so they so they found three signatures that could be their Barry, but two of them obviously aren't, and they're just in different universes. <laughs> so okay. this one's a Mad Max Barry Allen, where he's in a car. He's not. He's not running. Uh, but he's you know he's throwing out grenades at the other vehicles. Jesse and Max try to intervene and like sort of take everyone out without you know killing anyone. Um, Mad Max Barry's not thrilled about them interfering um, and the villain that's coming after or what was the uh, the name uh, where is she it's, it's very much uh, a Terramongus yes uh, and she's on like a, a big vehicle and it's got all these if I listen yeah is, is that speakers yeah it's all like the, the, the car and Fury Road that's got the guitarist she's not playing guitar but it's got like this like cylinder of amplifiers behind her <laughs> the hell is going on in this book <laughs> so that's kind of where that one leaves up and that, that's a really fun batch of pages because it's just like here's the flash fury road <laughs> and shenanigans and then we go to the kids which is jay and irie and they've went to a world where flash is kind of batman um we get a name from but you know last issue we saw there's a tower that says uh alan tower or whatever um, and it's clearly Gotham. We saw the silhouette, and he looks more Batman-esque. Uh, and here we see he's got like a red cape, and he's got like the Flash horns, but they're kind of tall, like bat ears. And he refers to himself as Night Flash, as like, "You came to my city. Who are you?" And he starts chasing after them. So they they run away, and they they they, they bolt. 
and there's not really again too much to it but it's like a really fun bit of art and the design for this sort of scary verse of the flash is kind of interesting um but you know it's you know the kids anchor it by like being their usual adorable selves and they're they're bickering between each other and they're worried because they've lost their 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 beeper thing that will send them back to their own universe and like shit they don't say that of course because they're good kids obviously that's my interpretation of it and then the third part of the issue is in the kind of the silver age looking era part where we we suspect that our real barry allen has been sort of brainwashed into this the sort of black mercy style thing where he's living in his silver age uh with a young wally and uh, you know iris is his wife and whatever uh so wally and wallace are like okay what do we do here this is strange uh, Wally notices that, you know, well, this is kind of like their past, it's not really their past, because one, Barry doesn't look any younger. He still looks like kind of current-day, middle-aged Barry Allen, so that doesn't quite add up. And they're like, okay, how about we split up? What You know, Wally says, I'll go speak to Barry and try to, like, talk him into, like, remembering what's going on, and you go talk to my younger self and see if you can glean any information. But when Wally appears in front of Barry, he doesn't see what we see. It's actually a really neat page because we, you know, we go into like the, uh, like Bar- you know, Barry Silver Age perspective with his narration, and he's all smiley and it's very old school. He's like, "I can pick up some flowers for Iris on the way home." But then the next full page is he stops dead in his tracks because because Thon's there, Reverse Flash is in front of him. But then the next page turns and we see that it's actually just Wally, and he's like, "Wait, wh- why? Why are you acting, Barry? Calm down. What's going on?" And Barry starts punching him and stuff, and like Wally has to pretend himself, and eventually he calls him Thon, and he's like, "Wait, Thon? What are you talking about?" Uh, so he's like trying to break through to him. So we get this kind of fight where, like, some of, the, some of the different tricks have been used with the vibrating and the the you know the tornado arms and all the rest of it. The usual. But, but he tries to say, "Look, it's me. It's Wally. It's Wally." And he's like, "No, it's not. This is a trick, Thon. I know I'm not falling for this." Um. And he's like, I'm done letting you torture me. You're never going to hurt my family again. And he's, you know, he's ready to punch the shit out of him. So it's like, and that's not the weird, because that, that part all is quite simple and makes sense. You get what's happening here. The, the trickery of this illusion is kind of like, it's almost got like a built-in defense to deal with the fact that someone's reels there, try to change things or, or break him out of it. Uh, things get a bit weirder, though. When Wallace goes to the house to try and talk to young Wally, Wally just walks up to him and says, hey, cuz, been waiting for you, and calls him something else. Uh, he calls him Burst, I think, yeah. And then Wallace looks down and he's, his costume's turned into like a silver and black costume with like a red symbol. And he's like, what the hell's happening? What happened to my costume? Um, he's like, now come in and have dinner with everyone. So the final page of the issue is Wallace, who seemingly is becoming like, a, like a new character that this, like, world is sort of built for him. It's like it's like he's getting brainwashed like Barry is into the, the fantasy. But because they've already got, like, you know, a Wally and a Kid Flash, they've kind of, like, made another young Flash speedster to, to, to fit here. And there's a couple of other speedsters at this dinner. Jay's there, you know, with the wife. This and... issue sounds so <laughs> jam-packed full of stuff. Like, how this was a fast read. It re- honestly it was a really fast read because I, I, I'm not saying this is a bad thing like I'm just surprised the amount that you're throwing out at me it sounds like a really dense long read if anything it, it sounds dense because there's a lot of concepts but like 
so much of it's action. So like the the first like third is like all this car chase stuff and like just jumping around and and grenades and wacky Mad Max villains. The middle's running away from like Flash Batman <laughs> with the kids uh, and they're terrified of him. And then you know this this last third is you know all this Silver Age stuff and like it's it's not actually like I think it's a credit to the writing how much like when you say it all out loud how dense it sounds but it doesn't feel dense at all when you're reading it. No, no, that's yeah. uh, that's why I'm surprised. Yeah. That is, I'd say a a good thing aside from the fact that you you know you, it felt like you were missing your crescendo. I guess because probably that's because it's cut in between the three yeah. things, kind of just starts over each time, right? Yeah, that'll be that'll uh, be the, that'll be the, why it feels that way. Yeah, and that's why it's maybe got that one caveat. But um, I I because I enjoyed the introduction to these worlds last year because the last issue was like the first half was like, them all like, discussing the plan. Okay, this is what we're gonna do. And then all of your like three separate cliffhangers were okay. This is the worlds they've all ended up in. Um, mm. This issue was like okay. This like actually delve into like what's going on in these worlds. So uh, I had a fun time. Uh, the art is good. I appreciate just you know the, the sort of the pin dots and all that stuff in the Silver Age part, just to make it feel really different with the muted colors. Uh, it looks really good. Um, you know the Flash Batman stuff does feel like a sort of Batman comic in terms of its visual style. Uh, which is neat, and then the Mad Max stuff is just like, okay, what what movie do we want to do a homage to? Let's do Mad Max Fury Road. All right, let's just go nuts and have fun with it. Uh, so I had a good time. Uh, I you know I I I, I suspect Matt probably would have done as well. I, Matt gave his thoughts on a couple of things. Uh, briefly, very very brief thoughts. Very yeah. brief thoughts. He, he, he enjoyed Nightwing. We didn't he, mention that. Yeah, he enjoyed Nightwing. That's all I said about Nightwing. Which uh, you know, not surprising. I assume he probably enjoyed this. Uh, but uh, yeah, I I I'm happy to give this a. I think I'll go seven point five. I won't give it quite the eight because it did. When I got to the end, I was like, oh wait, that was, that was the end. That uh, for that feeling and not feeling like it sort of like had like a full issue meal feel to it. I'll I'll drop it down to seven point five. But I had a good time, and uh, yeah, you know. it, it it sounds from your description like you got like three kind of bite sized little things that were all good, but. There wasn't enough of any one thing to give it a real kind of meaty chunk to an issue. Yeah, story. Yeah, uh, yeah, which is fine. Uh, I'm sure like, the three issues when they're all out, when you read them in the trade or whatever, back to back, it was probably going to be a nice three three issue hit. You know, I was so, on the three issues. This, I think so. Yeah, it's only a three issue part of the uh, the book. So there you go. That's Flash Seven Eight Four. Next up, Batman Superman World's Finest Issue 5, Mark Wade and Dan Mora. Rating. Oh, sorry. God for Dan Mora. Dan, Dan Mora on art. art. I should say, yes. Uh, uh, Dan Mora oh. art is mwah, magnificent. I did see, um, I read a Jerry Duggan graphic novel last week. Uh huh. Um, I can't remember the artist's name. It's, it, it's, it's an artist who, it, it's their first comic project ever. Um, so I, that's why I don't know the name. But in his like little kind of thing at the back, he, he kind of put it as for comics you know the writer only tells the story to one person they tell the story to the artist and then the artist tells the story to everyone else i thought that was a really good way of putting it then it just yeah the, hmm. you know just when you accidentally you know called more of the, the writer there uh it just popped into my head uh, it just, you know, it was a good, good good way of phrasing it, i think to, to kind of highlight the importance of a good artist on a book beyond yeah. just it looking good it, it being about their ability to visually tell the story yeah, there's some interesting concepts in this issue. This is, this is the end of the arc. This is the end of this uh, this arc where we're dealing with the demon Neza, and 
I actually really like the because so the big cliffhanger last issue, which you weren't here for when we talked about this issue, is that okay, we can seal Neza in this this tomb, and this is like the magical orb thing we got from the past to do it. The problem is is that you have to seal it from the inside. So someone effectively has to sacrifice themselves uh, to seal them for good. And it's like, okay, right, how do we solve that pickle? And the first half of this issue, well, it, well maybe the first, like, third, is, like, you know, basically everyone fighting over who's going to sacrifice. And Superman's like, I'll do it. And Batman's like, no, I'll do it, because you're weak to magic. And then Supergirl's like, I should do it. And Doom Patrol, like, we're the expendable. The world needs Superman and Batman. Like, we're the Doom Patrol. It's kind of in the name, you know, Doom. <laughs> Like, this is this is upper alley, um, and then of course Neza shows up and there's 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 fights. Uh, Supergirl kind of you know, breaks the news that Robin got lost in time, and you know I I really enjoyed the the art of like her sadness. I I like Supergirl being such a a, a major character in this actually. It's kind of nice because Supergirl's not got a book right now, so it's just nice to have a healthy dose of her mm-hmm. somewhere. Um. The big thing of this, though, is we get a lot of fighting with Neza. Uh, he takes over Superman at one point, so we get Superman versus Supergirl. He takes over uh, Elastigirl at one point, and we get, um, you know, her crushing Batman with her hand. And uh, we get the sort of resolution that helps in the fight is that, and you know what? I'm going to make a, a reference here to the hit television show, but for the Vampire Slayer, it is applicable. So, it's a cheap reference. So it turns out, you don't even know what the reference is yet. That's why it's cheap. <laughs> it's so, not obvious enough it's cheap so it turns out uh robot man goes up and punches him and it it no, dazes him and his hold over superman finally breaks and what they deduce from this is that yeah neza like can't be affected by anything that exists but that was when he was last out in the world you know hundreds of years ago that doesn't count for new things like you know robotic technology and then you know when batman hears this he pulls out some fancy gauntlet things he's like okay this is some new shit i made <laughs> right this will keep him off his off his uh game for a bit um this is season two of buffy when they're fighting the judge um you know the the, the, uh, the villains you know resurrect this blue demon dude played by brian thompson and he's like oh nothing could kill him no, th- nothing made by man can kill this demon and then the the, the joke ending to this is Buffy says, that was then, this is now, and pulls out a rocket launcher. And would you believe it, the rocket launcher does the trick? Because obviously, this thing was written, you know, two, three hundred years ago, before rocket launchers. So, yeah, and that in itself is a is a twist on the Tolkien kind of, right, you know, that, it, it's a play on that, you know, no man can kill me, and it's it's because it's a woman, right? So it's a twist on that already. That, this that, here, I don't know. It it is that, that that's the whole point. That that, that um, whole joke is is a subversion on that. I don't know. It is, but anyway, what I was gonna get to here to dispute. To, I've disputed the Buffy reference now. That's fine. <laughs> Move on from that. Um, uh, uh, the concept here. It's, objection. It's, that's the word I was looking for. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I can't. I was like, it's not sustained. I don't want to say sustained. That's the opposite <laughs> of what I mean. <laughs> I can hear you panicking. Like, don't say the wrong thing. Um, the stuff here with with Neja, um, it, it's just amazing. But like instead, like you, you know, because they talk about how oh Neja, you know, just it, he'll he'll learn, but you know, it's just pretty amazing, yeah. yeah. You, you get one use of the new thing, and he'll learn about it, and you got to find something else. And it's like, okay, so it's it's a, what, could just use the Mazer for this. I do actually. I, I think it's because it's, uh, they might do some of their own stuff, and they're probably maybe setting up Neza for. Uh, you know, I mean, we know they are. Yeah. Yeah. So. But what I, I liked about the resolution to this is that Superman goes and gets the Phantom's own gun, right? 
and he sends them out of the Phantom Zone, which they think, okay, that's a temporary fix, but then Neza starts breaking out immediately, and it's like, shit, okay. So Superman just grabs the Magic Orb thing, he's going to trap himself in the tomb with Neza. Uh, but I actually really like the little trick here, the resolution is that because Neza ripped his way out of the Phantom Zone, that tear's still there. So Superman, inside the tomb, puts himself in the Phantom Zone, and then comes out through the rip to sort of like, sort of, you know, the loop, it's a literal loophole to, to get yeah. out of the tomb. I actually thought that was nicely set up and made a reasonable amount, you know, in comic book logic, it made a reasonable amount of sense to me. It made as much sense as anything possibly can, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, you know what, that's good. And I, you know, I like the camaraderie where he's like, you know, I had to count on Batman noticing something. That's not like... Not a gamble, it's a plan. That's a plan, yeah. And I was yeah. like, okay, okay, that's a neat little line, and yeah, I, you know, I was... I, like, I enjoyed the resolution to this. I did. Hmm. Uh, Robin's still missing, and that's going to be the next issue is that I'm going to try to find Robin, presumably, so... Because <laughs> I can't just leave him lost in time for obvious reasons. Yeah, there's a little like epilogue page, which is set. It says years later. I'm assuming it's more present day, because uh, it's what I'm assuming is Damien. Oh, it's definitely uh, Damien. Yeah, because the solicit for this uh, mini series that's coming up uh, said Damien. Oh, is that Damien in yeah. that? Yeah, okay. Well, it, it looked like Damien with that cause, outfit. Because it confused me when when the solicit came out. And it was like, oh, it's going to be a the spinning out of World's Finest, but it's Batman versus Damien. And I was like, wait, what? How is this versus Damien? There's nothing in that book that's remotely Damien related. No, it's just this This measure is, is the link, right? Yeah, and it turns out this buried tomb is actually on Lazarus Island. That's the, the link. Uh, yeah, which makes sense because we saw all this measure stuff started in... Uh, Robin, yeah. In Robin, right, yeah. at the end of the Lazarus tournament. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it started, but like it was mentioned in Robin at some point and we went, oh, Neza. They just brought that up again. I think it was... Uh, I feel like it was started in Robin... Then it came into here, and I could be the wrong way around that. The, the the one where it just like mentioned it randomly was in the middle of Shadow War. I think, and that, I think that was maybe in like the Batman issue of that where they mentioned it, and we were like, oh, okay, they're kind of setting it up elsewhere. Yeah, no, I mean, regardless, it, like obviously, I'm excited to see what he does with like a more present day story. Uh, you know, Mark Wade, of course, had never gotten to write Damien, I don't think, before because he's obviously not been at DC for a while, so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, should, I, be, I don't think so. should be interested to see who's taking him. Um, you know, and I, I'm, uh, I mean, I've, I've enjoyed this arc, and I think it's probably gotten stronger as this went along. By and large, I think there was maybe, you know, some setup issues. There was a lot of stuff to like, kind of get going at the start of the arc. But I, I really like the wrap up of this. Yeah, I've not been as hot on it as as you have. I thought I've found the plot to be kind of just okay at best. Um. And that's probably true here as well, but in a lot of ways, this is probably the strongest issue because it's mostly action, I would say, in this issue. Because mm. this is, you know, the big conclusion fight. And Dan Mora is an absolute phenomenal artist, so an, an, an issue of Dan Mora fight scenes is, you know, that's nothing to complain about. Even if, you know, it kind of doesn't matter what the plot is at that point, I will read an issue of Dan Mora fight scenes. Yeah, and like I say, I, I liked a lot of the logic in this issue, and you know, when they're rushing over the tear, when Batman realizes what Superman's crazy plan is to get back out of the real world, I love that it's actually the you know the negative man's spirit that that goes over and sort of holds it open. It's like oh, it's a yeah. really cool visual. It kind of makes sense in some level that he that could maybe hold it open for a bit. You know, where, where human hands probably couldn't, you know, or even superhuman hands, but the negative man's spirit because of what it's made of and it's like a type of energy or whatever. I'm like, oh, again, 
on a comic book level, there's some logic to this for me. <laughs> Let's just click it together. The, the most important thing, though, is that it just looks good. It looks good, yes. It does look good. Uh, so, very neat. Uh, and it's like, you know, let's go get Robin next time. So, yeah, cool. Um, and I'm going to get another Mark made book out of it as well, which I'm obviously pleased by. So, yeah, uh, that's good stuff. Uh, what are you giving World's Finest? Um, I'll probably give it a seven, because I think it's a pretty by-the-numbers kind of just plot, but just with gorgeous art, which makes it, you know, worth reading. Sure. Uh, I... I'll go with a solid 8. I was tempted to go maybe a nudge higher, but I'll go with the, the 8. I think Moore's art's great. I do think there's a couple of faces in this one that are a bit in the long side. Uh, just, just one or two. Uh, but, I mean, generally speaking, it looks like Dan Moore art, though, which is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, also, he, he might draw my favourite Supergirl. Oh, that's fair. Uh, uh, I, just, I think she looks fantastic every time he draws her. Uh, to be honest, like I've really liked his Supergirl. I've liked his Doom Patrol characters because maybe it's because the characters we're really going to see as often. So just getting a good artist on them is just a nice treat. Uh, it's a little bit rarer than just yeah. um, you get a good artist on Superman and Batman pretty regularly because you know they attack attract top tier talent. Yeah. Plus they have like three books every week, so you you get multiple chances a week to get a good bit of art on them. Yeah. Uh, especially Batman. So. Especially Batman. Uh, yeah, so there you go. That's uh, World's Finest Issue 5. Looking forward to the next arc. And the new miniseries. All good stuff. Alright. Batman the Night, Issue 7. Chip Zarsky rating with Carmine DJ Domenico on the art. And this is Bruce back in the US, but not quite Gotham. He's in New York. And he's with Zatara. And he's learning, uh, you know, deception. He's learning, you know, sleight of hand, all that kind of stuff. Because uh, at the start of this issue, it's worth mentioning, Bruce does not know that real magic exists. He kind of discovers that halfway through this issue. Uh, when a demon who's been murdering people shows up and tries to take on Zatara. Uh, we get kind of young Zatanna, who's like trying to get him to open up. Um, and Establishes that they've got, a, you know, a history in this, you know, in this world. Yeah. Like, you, some versions of Bruce have, have had this where... He has this relationship with Zatanna from a younger age, like you know, the other parents are friends, which is kind of what this one's going with. Yeah, uh, I, I'm always open to that. So, so some are kind of romantic, like they're not really. I mean, it never really suggests they're ever going to be a thing again, but there might be like a sort of young romance thing there. There was, there was a teenage fling, usually, yeah, you know, thing, yeah. Yeah, here, I mean, maybe the teenage fling still happened, but because of the way they talk about you know, remember when we were kids, blah blah, it kind of feels more like they're cousins, you know, not by blood, but in yeah, terms yeah, of no, the, I know what you mean, like so, the, the family friend cousin, yeah. Right? Uh, so, yeah, Bruce is, like, testing his... He says he's trying to break the record for holding his breath underwater, and he says he did, like, for 18 minutes. I'm like, isn't the record, like, seven minutes? I feel like that's way over the record. <laughs> I don't know what the record is. I could have swore it was, like, seven minutes was the record. I, I Maybe I'm completely wrong. I, I mean, it know. probably is. Uh, oh, oh, no, it is not. Oh, is it? Uh, this was in uh, a... A Croatian dude on the 27th of March 2021, uh, record of 24 minutes 37.36 seconds. And that's the past previous record by 34 seconds. So the previous record was still over 24 minutes. How? <laughs> How? <laughs> that's like, you could read two comics under war with that type of, <laughs> type of time. Uh, Madness. Madness. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So Zatara's uh in a bit of a slump. He's been dra- he's drinking a lot, uh missing his dead wife, all that sort of stuff. Um when 
Bruce kind of was admitting some things to Zatanna and Zatara, uh, and he, he admits more over the course of the issue where he admits he's on this mission, he's learning all these things from Because Zatara at one point is like, oh, you could be my predecessor, or my, not my predecessor, my uh, successor. You could be my protege, and like, you know, you could do stage magic, you could be great. And he's like, no, 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 I, that's not why I'm learning this. I've got, I've got something else in mind. Um, and when he actually says it out loud and he talks about how he's on this mission and he doesn't know exactly what it's going to take form as, but he's going to be there to protect people and like, seek justice when it needs to be done. You know, like, they, they kind of criticize him a lot, at least Zatanna does, for not really moving on, and he's still stuck with the death of his parents. And Bruce is like, well, yeah, I'm not ashamed of that. Like, yeah, like, I, I'm not letting them go. I'm keeping them that, that anger alive because... He t- he, you know, he, he doesn't say all of this to her. Like, he, he says part of it is like, yeah, no, I Some of his narration, of I think, yeah, yeah. Some of his narration where he's like, no, I, I need that drive because that's, that what, that's what keeps me going, you know, and gives me the, the push to be what I want to do. Yeah, I enjoyed this issue. I think it's another part of like that, you know, training year or years, I suppose I should say, of of like Bruce becoming Batman. It's not quite as great, I think, as because uh, last issue I thought was the best issue of the whole book so far. Objectively speaking, that's probably true, but I'm a sucker for this sort of sure. Issue. I I just yeah. I I think the 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 drama and the psychology of the. Uh, you know, of the standoff and the shooting and all that stuff last issue was just like, it was like, okay, this is nailing kind of what forms like Brissy's thoughts on a lot of these subjects uh, going forward. It just, it was a really neat way of doing it. Uh, this, this is all perfectly solid stuff and I, I had an entertaining time with it. I, I, I love the, uh, the stuff at the end with him kind of accepting about, okay, you know, this speaking to the dead idea was probably not the right idea. Yeah, because he still has a book that's about speaking to the dead. Well, once he knows magic's real, he sees all these real magic books, and he's like, oh, maybe I should learn to do this and speak to my parents. And But then, you know, Zatara's like, oh, no, no, no. You, know, you know, we got real magic, you know, we can share it while just, you know, sharing memories. And it just ends with, you know, he's going to tell him a story about his parents. Yeah, I think the most interesting thing about this issue to me is that when he finds out magic is real, within, like, two lines of dialogue, he turns to them and says, teach me. I need to be able to do this. And Zatara's like, perfectly nah, in line with yeah. the version of Bruce that we've had so far. Absolutely. And I totally buy that Bruce at some point when he first knew about magic probably wanted to master it and use it as a tool in his arsenal. But this issue is very much about like, okay, this is why he probably shouldn't do that <laughs> and why he was swayed away from it. And of course it's like, yeah, like, you know, and also part of it as well is that when the demon shows up, he's able to sort of take it down. He's like, you know what? It's a demon, but it's still a criminal. Fundamentally, like, a lot of my, my logic and tactics will still work here. Yeah, when he first sees it, he's kind of terrified because, like, what the hell is this? Yes. But by the end, he's like, okay, I understand this. I can fight this, even even if I'm not the magic user. There's also a brief moment where he's looking for, like, uh, like wires and project projection. Like, look, he's, yeah. looking, he's looking for the smoke in the mirrors. He thinks it's not real for, yeah. for a bit. Uh, but yeah, it's just this idea that he he's immediately tempted to use it as a tool. But then uh, fundamentally, one, he's not really good at it because he can't really like surrender himself to it. Because that's how Zatanna describes it, is that you don't surrender yourself to things. You, you have control things. <laughs> and that's not how magic works. But there's, I think there's also maybe a little bit of like, you know, magic's a lot like a gun in a, in a way. Like if he starts wielding magic, like he will become too powerful and he'll, he'll, he'll be too... You know, uh, there has to be some kind of limitation. So that, in the same way that he's, he gives himself that rule of not killing someone, fun- fundamentally, he also has to sort of keep himself away from the magic as well. 
Yeah, um, I really like how Zatara puts it. It's like, hey, you know, you've got to, there's a cost, so you've got to pay something. But the only thing you've got to give is, is you know, the darkness of what's driving you. Mm. If you give that, it's just going to amplify it and you're kind of going to lose control. And I think, you know, by the end of the issue, he kind of realizes that they're saying this with his best interests at heart. They're not trying to just yeah. keep the secrets from him. They're like, you know, you, yeah, sure, you could master it. You know, you, you've got the, you know, the, the capability and the willpower to do it, but maybe it's not the best thing. And, you know, he comes around to that. And I, I, I do realize that stuff, you know, this, this growth for Bruce in this issue. Yeah, I, I will say in a broad sense, I would probably say my preference would be that Bruce doesn't know about anything supernatural until after he's been Batman for a bit. I kind of like the idea that, you know, when he gets into just taking on mob boss, bosses and stuff, he is just purely boots on the ground, real life stuff, until, you know, Superman shows up and then it's like, oh shit! Like, yeah, that's, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've seen enough takes of pretty much exactly this where he trains with, you know, Zatara yeah. as, as one of his mentors and you know, kind of learns about this stuff then that I'm just used to this angle now, I guess. I, I don't yeah, even know. I, I, I this might even be like the official like canon angle right now, I think. Yeah, I'm not bothered by it. And it, you know, it makes enough sense. And like, I, like I say, I like what it does with him choosing not to pursue magic. Like, it's got some interesting things to say about, you know, and in, in the DC universe that he exists in, like why he wouldn't go down these certain paths. Uh, but if I, if I was like having my way and I was the one constructing the story in some way, I, I would probably wait until after he's already being Batman for like a year or two before he encounters either an alien or a magic character or something like that, you know? I get that. I think for me, I'd like this one more, not because I, I want him to, you know, encounter all the supernatural stuff earlier, because I'm not, you know, I, I also like the idea, oh, let's start low level. But I also really like the, you know, the, the, the versions where he has this past history with Zatanna uh, when they're younger. And, you know, he, he's had that training. And the fact that you know he knows to go and call on Zatanna and that magic's real by that you know that he he's got someone to re- you know, refer to when something first affects Gotham, kind of means implicitly he has to have had some experience with this before to, yeah. to have that knowledge. So kind of a trade off. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think part of me likes the idea that Superman's the first thing he's you know he ever sees that's not just normal. You know, like. You know, he's he's fought like super villains in the sense that he's fought the Joker by that point. He's maybe, maybe you know maybe he's a character Bane who's enhanced a little bit with drugs. But, but you can't really have Clayface then, I guess, until after yeah. Superman. Which is logic. Clayface can be later. Oh, that's that's not a big yeah, deal, yeah. I don't think. Because you can still have Joker, Two Face, Penguin, yeah, Scarecrow. yeah, all those ones. Yeah, uh, I just I think I like the idea of like Superman, like, and that's partly why Bruce is so distrusting at first because he has to really deal with this question of like someone like this with with extra powers like with these abilities exists and you know so the idea is like it's just a really pure like dilemma in his head of how to deal with that when you know the first one he meets is superman and obviously is someone who'll become a friend but and then obviously from there it can inform like how he treats you know things but as arguably you could also say that if he's encountered a couple of super villains that have had some powers that's why he's more distrusting of superman when he shows up but you know yeah. you know it's just, it's it's all just details it's, for it's very much kind of just personal preference. There's yeah. there's so many takes and variations on this now that pick your own. Basically, I I don't even know what is officially you know like quote unquote canon in the current timeline because it just, just doesn't matter. Just what... you know, if if you want this version of this you know if the Batman the Knight to be your your definitive kind of early days Bruce, this basically contradicts like nothing long term. You can have this. Like just you know, beat for beat, it can be just this if you wanted to. You can mix them, you know, take bits from this and mix it in with 
other versions that you like. It, it all kind of works. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's basically just whoever's writing the current book gets to decide what's in continuity, and then it'll shift and mold as, as time well, goes on. I, you, you say that. In, in in reality, or at least it should be, it's the whoever's editing the books gets to make those decisions. True, true, true. You know what I mean, though. Like, yeah. Uh, I just want—I don't, I don't want to undersell the editorial department. That's kind of their part of their responsibility is that that lining up of continuity. And... The, the point is, though, is they change too. So every so often, when it's a new person, things will shift, and yeah. you get other priorities. Um, so yeah, but no, it was it was a solid, solid enough issue. Uh, yeah, it's just I, I really liked it, and I, I actually think um, Jude Dominica's art obviously has been great the whole book because his art's pretty spectacular. I think. Uh, when we start getting the magic stuff, you know, where he's, he's kind of got the the sigils coming out, it's very, you know, Doctor Strange-esque coming out of his hands. Mm. I think that stuff looks amazing with the colours, the way it pops. I think it's it's so different to everything else we've had in this book that it really stood out and it's really vibrant. I think it just looks amazing. Yeah. Uh, no, good time. The night has been a very interesting book to... Uh... To, to you know to read through where it's, it's it, you know it didn't necessarily start off with like this amazing first they had a interesting first issue certainly but it definitely wasn't this like home run of a thing and what's funny is i actually said a very similar thing about his first issue of the main book where i said oh there's a lot of things in here i like but it wasn't this home run of a first issue it wasn't like you know taylor's first nightwing issue where it was like oh this is the start of a special run it was like oh there's definitely some things in here that i'm not sure about yet but you know i'll see you know where he's i agree with that i think i'm more receptive to that with starsky right now after being you know uh at the time i'd read that it was you know six issues into the night where i'm like okay this has grown quite considerably over this perhaps a more one-to-one fair comparison is that i felt that with the first daredevil issue he did you know i felt oh this already feels special so Mm -hmm. there was reasonable reasons to have expectations get into that first batman issue but it was but as of right now i'm like okay i've seen that this can grow into something to be quite you know a really quite strong book at this point I have no reason to doubt his Batman, you know, regular book will either. Yeah, and he'll have more time with that, presumably. It'll, I mean, I assume it'll go more than 12 issues, at least. So, And this is only 10, so... Or 10, even, yeah. Uh, all right, what are you giving uh, the night? Um, I'm going to give it an 8.5, which I recognise is probably too high, but that's just because I'm a sucker for this stuff. This this exact relationship between, you know, these three characters. Um, But, yeah, yeah, I do like it a lot. Uh... I'll probably go seven point five. I think uh, it's good. I, I like some of the things that it pokes out with Bruce's character. Um, yeah, so there you go. Uh, that'll take us on to Black Adam issue two. Christopher Priest writing with Rafa Sandoval on the art. Uh, so the start of this issue kind of goes back and explains kind of when Black Adam seemingly got infected and started his dying <laughs> process. Uh, which is probably my least favorite part of the book. The actual flying off and ultimately fighting Darkseid, like it's, that part's fine. But the dialogue I thought with him and this uh, other character I thought was a bit... It was a bit of a chore to get through, I thought. Uh, luckily, though, uh, and this is kind of similar to the first issue where I had one or two scenes that I didn't like that much, but then the rest of it I like quite a bit. So everything with this new character, Malik, and his sort of... So he, he's finding out why Black Adam's dying, He's asking these questions. He's like, you should get to a doctor. And, you know, we learned the last issue is a med student, so he, he knows a lot about this. He's not officially a doctor yet, but he he's learned a he lot of in, it. He's like, you know, wh- where's all the charts? You know, where, come on, give me the information. Where, where are we going? Can we at least give him some aspirin? Yeah, so 
And Black Adam, of course, is too arrogant to have any medical facilities in his uh, palace. Hello, and that's described later. They're like, no, no, no. Kandag's pretty advanced. They've got top-tier facilities. He just refused to have any in, in his palace. Yeah, so, you know, it's kind of, I really, you know, the one thing it sort of plays on, though, is this, uh, this backstory with, you know, Adam killing uh, the, you know, in his origin where he kills the, it's like, the other guy shares, I can't forget his name, it's been a read any of this stuff, but, uh, you know, shares the, the power of Shazam with him and then he kills him um, and keeps it for himself. So the idea that part of this is some kind of, like, now at the end of his days, there's kind of like a reflection and possible desire for redemption, because... Black Adam has become a character, while he's very stern and he's, you know, he is who he is, he has ultimately tried to do a lot of good things in his own way. Yeah, he's one of those characters where you always believe he means best for his country. Like, yeah. he has motivations that aren't... He's not just power mad. He's not like just, oh, I want to be a dictator, right? He's not that. He is doing what he thinks is the right thing, just usually in the wrong way. Yeah. So... Uh, and it's actually the visual of this character that leads him off to, to fight Darkseid at the start. That's kind of uh, what the, the, the trick is to get him out there. Uh, but, yeah, uh, so it was a wonderful art in here, actually. See when he's uh, in, in space and he's yelling Shazam and uh, this moment where he's going to kill the other character in the backstory. Like, all, all that stuff is really well illustrated here. Um, a little bit into the book. Uh, but yeah, when we get to the stuff with Malik and Black Adam dying and Black Adam's like, no, you're going to be the one who continues my legacy, you're going to redeem the name of Black Adam because Black Adam, I can't redeem it, right? I'm too far gone. Well, interestingly, is, you know, cause he, he he makes him not Black Adam because he thinks the True. name of Black Adam is irredeemable at this point. Oh, I was getting to, I was getting to the suit and the, the, the yeah, reveal yeah, and all that. But, um, but, you know, he makes him say the name to the point where, like, he gets his doctor to shoot him. So he has to say the name to survive, because otherwise he'll, he'll probably die. Very smart. Sparse one word for it, maybe. Uh, Evil psychotic. Isn't yeah, it? you but, know. But smart in terms of, hey, it's going to work. So he puts on his ring, he says Shazam, uh, and he has a white suit, right? And Malik, his name is Malik White. So when Black Adam calls him White Adam, uh, it's like, okay, you can see how that would work. Uh, although he does call out the bullshit of like you know black me you know meaning bad and white meaning good uh, bullshit you know he he criticizes that instantly, uh, which yeah. I thought was a nice touch. Um, so yeah, it's it's very interesting. So he's like, okay, so you said there's a portal thing here that he nicked from the Justice League. All right, let's let's go to the hospital. So he takes he takes Black Adam to his hospital that he trains at, and you know gets them all to. I, I think one of my favorite moments of this is like you know, coming through, coming through, you know, adult male, forty six thousand years old. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so, and he says who he is, he's a student, and like the surgeon's like, eh, okay, we'll take it from here, you stay out here, med student. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you go back to trick-or-treating. Yeah. So, the end of the issue is that the doctor comes out and tells him that, uh, that Adam is dead. Uh, Theo Adam is dead. Uh, so, yeah, it says next time uh, Black Adam goes to hell and he deserves it. So I suspect that we're still going to see Black Adam himself in some capacity, which is really interesting. Yeah, but obviously we're also going to see Malik kind of like sort of take the mantle and do whatever he's going to do at the start of this journey, uh, which is yeah, which is interesting. Uh, so no, I like a lot of this book. I really do. Um, I, I think you know my my opinion on the first issue was 
weird human, you know, the human side of Black Adam, and he's just like he's got the cane. Oh, I, I liked that stuff a lot. I, I was a bit weird about it. Maybe it's just because we never see his human side, and he's just always Black Adam. That scene... I know. I know there was um a lot of interviews before he came out with Priest talking about how he loves that side of it. And, you know, it, you know, kind of you know, compared it to the uh, the Donald Blake stuff in Thor, which has also kind of not really been a thing in quite a while. Mm. Like, no, I'm, he's like, I'm, I'm bringing it back, and I, I kind of loved it. Uh, but I really liked all the other stuff it did. I liked, you know, the, like, Black, ha- Black Adam seemingly wanted to make some changes. Uh, the new character, Malik, I think, was entertaining, you know, pretending to be a doctor to a patient. Uh, and, you know, an asshole, it was like a white supremacist patient that he was like, pretending to be a doctor for, just to mess with him. And then he'd get into trouble, of course, for that, right? So, it really set up his character uh, as being, you know, you know, a bit of a jokester, uh, but, you know, in a well-meaning way, though, because obviously he's, he's 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 making a point when he's when he's doing that. So here in in this issue, like seeing this all kind of thrust upon him, when he doesn't really want it. Uh, you know, I, I I could see a good, interesting character growth over the course of this twelve-issue run of like you're setting this character up. Uh, I'd hope that maybe there is plans for something with this character after this book, in some capacity. Not maybe I I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of it he kind of gives up the power. I could see that happening too, but if he is, if he still has the power by the end, it's not so much that I'm saying there should be another solo series just for him or a sequel series or whatever, but just the idea that he will you know, still be Kandak, he will still pop up in stories when it's relevant and things like that. Like, I, I do wonder, because uh, we're getting, you know, Mary Marvel, because I don't, and I'm not sure if that's, con- you know, in continuity, that Mary Marvel story that's coming up, but if it is, I wonder if you'll be get some sort of Shazam overall thing after both are done maybe we'll get some yeah and i mean who knows where this sits in continuity either right now given well there's a lot of black adam stuff going on right it's come well, it kind of ties it to dark crisis because this this him going off to fight dark side is the, the great darkness that's literally oh, yeah. uh so th- this is more or less present day maybe slightly later than present has to be slightly later because he's still kicking around after that right and dark crisis is yeah so yeah i don't know if it's set after dark crisis entirely or just set later on whilst the main fights are going on or something, I don't know. Yeah. Can't be continuity, just, just, you know, don't even... Just don't, don't think about yeah. it too much. Yeah. yeah. Just ballpark it and leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But yeah. Uh, Arch pretty solid, though. Um, it is. I really like that there's a touch at the end where he's wearing, like, one of those, you know, the green nurse's shirts yeah. over the top of his outfit. But you can still see the, the yellow from the... The symbol just kind of shining through because it's you know very bright. You see it you know, all the other times where he's wearing it, it is like glowing. Uh, yeah. So I like the way you can just see it shining through the you know the shirt above it. Yeah, uh, like I say, I liked all the stuff with Black Adam flying off uh, early, right before the Darcy stuff. We see some of the flashbacks and the uh, you know the, the, this dark part of his history that he's you know ultimately his tenure as Black Adam started with this horrific act that. You know, maybe now at the end he has to in some way find some redemption for it. I think it's quite interesting. Um, and I assume this hell that he's going to might be to have something to do with that. You know, maybe reliving this over and over again or being confronted with what he did there. You know, I, I can see that playing into it. Yeah. Yeah, quite possibly. The art is uh, it's really expressive as well in the faces, especially with mm. Malik. There's a lot of stuff um, telling you when he's being just given the power. Uh, where it's got a lot of you know varying facial expressions that are really strong. Like you know, when he's doing like, you know the the timeout bit, you know the, 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 the little panels like that that are really strong that kind of sell it. 
Yeah, I uh, I also, I think they did a good job with Malik. I think he was likable in issue one. I think he's still likable here. He feels relatable. Um, and I also kind of like the idea that uh, we have a superhero of some kind who is a doctor, or even more interestingly, is someone who almost became a doctor, so has, a, has effectively a lot of the knowledge and skills, but is never officially, you know, <laughs> been credentialed, <laughs> as it were. Uh, I don't I never said there was none. <laughs> no. Just, you know, just not something that's too common. Uh, but that's, that's just what makes it a little bit different, is the idea that he, he, like, he almost went down that path, that he got quite far in that path, and then, obviously, this is, maybe, I mean, maybe he'll choose to go back to his life at, by the end of this, but at least right now, it feels like he's swerving out of that into, I don't know, dictatorship? <laughs> is that fair to say? Yeah, we'll see. Uh, but maybe he'll try and change that, obviously. Maybe he'll... Uh, Shake yeah, up. Maybe, maybe that's how he, you know, his legacy, he changes how Kandak runs. Yes, uh, we're going to have a, have a vote this time, Kandak. Yay! Vote. Uh, and he'll win 100% of the vote. Not because he does it in Shady, but because they all, they all assume, because they're used to Black Adam, that there'll be consequences. He, 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 he won't <laughs> even run. They'll just all write in. <laughs> oh, dear. Um... But no, 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 I'm enjoying the book. I'm enjoying the book. Um, I think I preferred issue one slightly because I was enjoying the uh, the Theo Adam stuff. But yeah, uh, I'm still digging it. Yeah, I uh, I think I think I like as well that it's, I know it's twelve issues and because his Deathstroke was really good at times, but it also was like really there was a lot of it. And it... I I, st- I do need to go back and finish. I got further than you did. I need to go back and finish it. I think I. But I think it's fantastic, everything I've read in it. I think everything in it that I read was great. It just didn't read very well monthly. Mm. I think it was, you know, very dense and you needed to pay attention to a lot of things. Um, so I think, I think if I go back and read it all, it'll probably be great. This, uh, feels this... More, this feels more balanced. It still feels like Priest, but it feels like it's working at least so far better in monthly chapters. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's good so far. Alright, what are you giving Black Adam issue two? Ooh, I will give it a eight. Yeah, I think I'll agree with that. I'll give it an eight out of ten. Uh there you go. Uh DC versus Vampires All Out War issue one, Matthew Rosenberg and Alex Pacnadel writing with uh Glammy Singelin on the art. And I apologize if I was butchering some names there, especially Ooh, the on, artist. That's not the name on the front cover. Oh, that's the that? that's the backup. Ah, oh, oh, that's that's me looking at the wrong name when I was uh, getting off. Ali, who's who's the regular artist? I'm just trying to find the credits page because I I, I don't have the credits page is buried at the back. Typically, of course, it is. Uh, the regular artist is uh, Pascal uh, Colano. Okay, okay, Pascal. There you go. Um, yeah, so this is the six-issue miniseries that's going to run alongside the back half of the, the main series of DC vs. Vampires. Um, so, we had a couple of one-shots that were tied in. One was alright. The one with Harley, uh, me and Matt were very, very lukewarm to mixed on. We, we weren't uh, super hot on it. Yeah, I think I gave that one. It was fine. It, it's, like, there was one like important plot detail by the end, but the rest of it felt just kind of fluffy. And yeah, I, I think it. it was it wasn't terrible, but I also didn't love that 
That one. It was, it was okay. Yeah. So it was very interesting to see what this was going to be going. Obviously, you see Deathstroke front and center on the cover and a bunch of... Oh, well, it's actually... I was going to say mostly villains. It's actually 50-50, but, it, you know, it's an interesting mix of characters. You got uh, Asriel, Booster Gold, uh, Mary Marvel, Dead Man, and Bane. So you've got, like, a real hodgepodge of uh, uh, characters. And Constantine, uh, yeah. Uh, so this is uh, black and white with red highlights, basically, as the art style. Which is interesting. Um, I think this is a perfectly valid art style, uh, but you have to, you have to actually like draw to facilitate that that's what it's going to be in the end. If that makes sense, you know, in the same way that when you're shooting a black and white movie, you light the scenes a bit differently because you know it's black and white. I think it mostly did. I think the problem is they actually overuse the red, so it kind of your eye gets drawn to too much red, and it kind of you lose some of the other details. Because I did not enjoy the art in this, and it's not because the line work is bad, it's that I think it's missing... Like, I, I think there's just too much going on in some of the panels, there's too many lines, there's too many details, that a lot of it just, like, I have to really sort of focus and really look for what the image is, it doesn't just stick out to me, and I think it's one of those things where it feels to me like it was drawn as if it was going to be coloured like a regular comic book, because if this was coloured, I feel like it would just work like any comic art would work. But because it's not, there's a lot of power, especially when fights start happening, where I was just, like, I was having to really, like, okay, what is this panel? What's happening? I had to really think about it, like, a lot. Uh, and it, it really ruined the flow for me. It, it made it a very disjointed reading experience. I wonder if maybe they didn't tell the artist straight away that that was going to be the case. Oh, yeah, when he was drawing the pencils, he didn't actually know. Because I know <laughs> they solicited it, obviously, as normal. And then a few weeks later, maybe a month, I don't know if it was a full month later, they kind of put out an update saying it would be black and white, kind of making it clear. I, I, I imagine part of that was to make it clearer to retailers, I imagine, but I don't know if maybe, maybe they hadn't decided that until they kind of put that announcement out. Uh, maybe. Because uh, I think one of the things is, and it's not so much, because uh, I would actually say the line works better in the main story, but I actually think I preferred the art in the backup more because the art in the backup, for any faults you might want to throw at it, I think still function very well in black and white, where I never got confused or I never felt overwhelmed by the. I didn't read the backup because I really didn't like the art. I, I glanced, like, I got through like, the first two pages of it and I was like, I really don't like it. Even though I, I get where you're coming from in that it's clearer to follow. Yes. I think that's, that's fair to say. I just didn't like it. That's fair. There's, there's definitely some things that I didn't necessarily love about the, the faces or the chunky shoulder outfits or whatever. But, yeah. like, I could follow it, and it, it felt. I actually felt relieved to read the backup after the main story because I had such a hard time just kind of, you know, some of the pages. Like it definitely, like you know, there's a page here with like Man Bat in the foreground as uh, you know they've got um, as Azrael on the the hospital bed, and he's explaining to Deathstroke what's happened here, and that page is all right, and part of the reason why it's all right is because they've shaded in Man Bat completely, so he's kind of grey. So he, there's a good separation between the characters, and it. You know, so that's one of the better pages of the book, I I thought. Whereas some of the other ones where it just feels like a mess of lines at times. Uh, and obviously it isn't. The artist obviously put a lot of effort and time into it, but it just, you know, I, I feel like I feel like when you're in black and white, you do have to have some, like, just simple shapes and blocks and things to sort of separate, like, more complicated parts of the, the scene. It definitely does. There's this pretty early on still, we're in the, the fight in the, in the caves. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a scene where... I think Azrael gets his face kicked. 
Um, and it's, it's one panel in the bottom right of the page. Um, so it's the page after Blue Devil gets stabbed. Um, the bottom right panel. He's getting his face kicked in. There's a lot of like speed lines around the panel. And I had to think really hard to see that that was a foot, like a boot, like the oh, sole yeah. of a boot kicking him. Because I couldn't see it through all the speed lines. Whereas if that was just coloured, you know, with the typical comic colour, you know, the separation of all the, the, the layers. Yeah, it'd be obvious. probably would have been pretty clear, yeah. Uh, so it's just, it, it, it kind of hindered my enjoyment a little bit. Because you know, I like some of the ideas in here, which is Deathstroke is leading the team to the last known Lazarus pit because he wants to bring back Batman. Because the world needs Batman. And I was like, okay, the idea that Slade Wilson is the one who's like, doing this really hopeful thing like i need batman <laughs> like batman it's, kind of, it's kind of in a weird uniquely selfish angle as well though like it's yeah the world needs batman because batman's gonna be good at it but it's not just that that it's like uh this council we got leading us too much indecision we need someone that everyone will respect to kind yeah. of make these decisions and just kind of but, but, make but, the calls there is a sense of logic to that as well that makes sense like i i, I kind of get it it's a bit cold-hearted but i get it um so I really like that part of it because it's a really interesting beat to play with Slade. That's uh, a bit, you know, uh, d not different, but at the same time you can sort of see how it fits with his sense of the world, his worldview. Yeah. Uh, the other part of it as well is that there's only one Lazarus pit left because the vampires have like destroyed the rest of them, which is an interesting concept. And then later on you find out part of the reason why is because the the Lazarus pit actually cures the vampireism. Like it cures Azrael of being a vampire because he's a vampire when he shows up. And he gets kicked out of the Lazarus pit, and lo and behold, uh, he's human again. So it's like, okay, that's why they don't like Lazarus pits, is they don't want people coming back. Makes sense. So it's like, okay, this is some interesting concepts. And um, I like that they, they left one as bait. Yeah, yeah. Which that, that also makes sense. Yeah. So those ideas are all neat. And then we're introduced to all these other characters that are hanging out in the space where Deathstroke and that are hanging out. Uh, again, it's made up of some villains, some sea listers, Captain Atoms, like making some solar energy to you know, help grow some vegetation and give people some vitamin D. <laughs> Presumably keeps them a bit safer from vampires as well. Yeah, you, you would assume, you would assume. Uh, Booster Gold's looking all kind of future and like haggard. <laughs> He's got a goatee, Mohawk. Yeah, yeah. yeah, all tough looking. I'm kind of digging the, the booster look, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, but yeah, so of course there's a big thing here where, uh, you know, one of the the, the characters, uh, who was it? It was Damage, uh, did turn into a vampire during the big fight and attacks the others, uh, kills Vigilante, um, whilst the others are having a meeting, so chaos starts to reign, and um, yeah, uh, we find out vampires have got like farms where they've just got it's almost like the Matrix where they've just got people in like big pods. And that's the only place where they allow sunlight because it has to. They, they need sunlight to grow the humans, or the yeah. food, the food for the humans specifically, I should say. Uh, so, yeah. So yeah, you know. So everything's going all, and then at the end, uh, damage goes up to try and kill Captain Atom, who's generating the sunlight. Um, and which I do think is actually a really strong page. That final, you know, with, with everything going red, kind of. Oh sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it gives a sense of like you know impending doom because he's like oh it's a, uh, he's basically turned him into a giant nuclear reactor and so things are about to go very very bad uh is the end of the issue um as deathstrokes try to debate with the others about what to do next yeah. so 
Yeah, I, I had a hard time with this issue because I, I I I really did not enjoy the art, or, or at the very least, I didn't. And I I had to, I had a hard time seeing in the art, so I just kind of was annoyed a lot. Yeah, I get that. Do you want to know what annoyed me though? And this this is really pay, but do you know what really annoyed me the most is they they screwed up the very first caption. Like, the, the, like everything in the book, you know, is I could I could forgive a lot of things. You can't mess up your very first thing in the book. So, you know, it opens and, we're, you know, it's, it's showing us, oh, these are the characters we got. You know, it has a little box explaining all of them. Two out of the three follow the same thing. Former X, current X. Mm. The first one does not follow that path. And then I thought, okay, that's weird. But then they return to this format when they introduce other characters throughout the book, also following the former, then current. How do you mess up the very first thing in your book? Mm-hmm. Like, it, mm-hmm. it was baffling because I noticed it like immediately. I read the second one and I was like, okay, I like that format. And then the third one, I was like, oh, they stuck with that. And I was like, wait a second. They didn't do it on the first one. And then it, it bothered me every time they introduced a new character and it went to this format. And it just wasn't there. And, oh, it, it annoyed the hell out of me. Like, cause it, cause it was, because it was the very first thing in the book that they got wrong. It's just sloppy. Yeah. Um, So, the backup is just that Gordon calls Batgirl with a bat signal, shows up, but it's a trap. Gordon's a vampire, and Batgirl fights all the SWAT team of vampires. Um, There's a big fight scene, and that's basically it. That's the whole thing. (laughs) Um, But... To his credit, like I said, the art is actually very easy to follow, I thought. I thought I'd get a lot of good motion. Um, I'm not necessarily a fan of the the, you know, the style of the heads or these big chunky shoulder pads in the Batgirl suit or anything like that. So I wouldn't necessarily say I like the art per se, but I do think it flows well in the action. And just in general, compared to the, the main story, I can actually follow the art. And I've, you know, I've, and for the record, I've read other black and white comics and I've enjoyed other black and white comics. It's not like a a blanket problem. It's just... This book feels like it wasn't drawn for black and white, and it's just really hard to follow without it, the extra yeah. detail from the colors to separate things and make things more obvious. Um, I, say, I stand by, I think they overuse the red, because your eyes naturally are drawn to the red. Mm. And I think it's too... Because you, you, your eyes focus on that, you have to like unfocus to pay attention to the rest of the panel. I just think it's, it's overdone. Yeah, what's funny is the backup mostly only uses the red for the sound effects and it's actually kind of it kind of works in a weird way because it's like yeah i think like sound effects using it for like blood or something like that would would work especially you know in a a vampire book yeah and i do think it was effective using it on like that final page of the main story kind of you know as that reversal of everything but i I do think that the main book you know it's all like half of deathstroke mask is rare you know all of asriel's cowl is rare you know and, and it's like on most characters there's like a one big red chunk that tends to be what you're drawn to, and you kind of struggle to see past it sometimes. Yeah, uh, Matt did say something about this book. He said he's out on it, which probably means he feels similar to to what I've been saying. Probably, yeah. Uh, I mean, I can't say for sure he's got, he's got the same problems, but I'll I'll, go, I'll t- have a hunch and just assume. Uh, but yeah, I have to admit, I'm not particularly excited yeah. about reading more of this. I, I don't know if I will. I might go back and read the back because it was it was Gordon's face and like uh, the the bad girl outfit that kind of put me off mm. pretty immediately. But maybe if the motion of the rest of it is better, I'll go back and give it another try. 
I mean, it is a, just a fight scene, but like, I, I, it took me so long to read the main story because I was like having to double check panels and like look for the art if, as effectively. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the backup just flew in so quickly by yeah. comparison. Uh, yeah, it, it was pretty tough. Same because I, I like a lot of the premise of what it's doing. Just not mm. necessarily how it's telling it with the art. It, you know, it clearly wants to be the unkillables of you know to to, to what that was to deceased. This is what this mini kind of wants to be for vampires, and that's cool. It's admirable. I like that idea, but uh, it was just too frustrating to read. And I, I, I mean, maybe like it will be toned down, but there's a good chance that if it's the same artist that all the the issues are just going to be the yeah. same. Yeah, like I say, there's a possibility they didn't know when they were drawing issue one, so they were drawing it differently. But I'd, I'd say maybe when the second issue comes up, just check the preview pages. If they're like this, you can probably guarantee that'll be it for the for the book. But yeah. If the preview pages are you know significantly clearer, then maybe I'll give it another. You know, I'll, I'll come back and read the rest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Well, there you go. What were you given? All at war issue one. Um. Probably just a five. I like a lot of its ideas. I like parts of the art, and I think it's trying some nice things, but it's it's kind of a frustrating read as well. Yeah, I'll agree with the five. I, I think that's kind of perfect for it. Uh, I don't want to shit on it too much, but like the art is a bit of a hindrance here. And again, it's not because the line work's bad. Like, like the line work, like the you know, the, the the look of the designs and things, I think would be perfectly fine. Like, I think I'd probably like the art if it was coloured, but. No. Uh, as I'd is. love to see someone take these pages and colour them. I'm sure, you know, obviously, you know, if you go on like Twitter, you'll see a lot of people doing things like that, whether here's a page from whatever that I coloured. Um, you know, just for like practice, but I'd love to see someone take a shot at some of these pages and, and sure. have a look at those. Uh, all right. Well, there you go. The Jurassic League issue three, Juan Gideon and Daniel Warren Johnson writing with Raphael Garez, or Garez, sorry, on the art. Uh, so... It's not uh, getting or on the art again uh, for yep, issue and, three. Uh, yeah, this this was the book I saved for last, thinking, oh, drastically. Nice little fun little romp to kind of finish me off. Mm-hmm. And oh boy, this art. Um, it's rough. It's not, yeah, like, it, like, it's definitely nowhere near as good. Oddly, I think it does a like a reasonably good job of feeling like it's in the style of the regular art, even though it's nowhere like. Does that... No, I disagree. I think it's the colors that are in the same style, but because I, sure. I I went back and checked because I was like, am I imagining just how different this is? So I went back and looked at the previous issue, and the line work on the on the previous issue, it's it's clean. Yeah. It's like really clean. I, I, this is just I never went back and checked. Uh, I did definitely notice that it wasn't as good, though. Uh, as a, I mean, it, it, what was particularly sticking out to me, though, was that the action was a bit harder to follow. Maybe not quite as much as the, the book we just talked about, but there was definitely moments when there was action scenes where there was so many like characters just moving quick and grabbing hold of each other that instead of having a flow where I was like following like an action sequence, I was just kind of like getting a mess of different panels of like fighting going on. Yeah, this lost pretty much everything that I loved about it. There was not much in the in the sense of dynamic layouts, not really. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I found it really hard to follow with this really... Um, I don't want to call it bad art, because I don't think it's bad. I think it's bad for this book. I don't want to say it's bad, but it's it's very different. It's, it's very chunky. Uh, it's very rough, whereas 
previously it's it's really strong, bold, smooth lines. Um, this, this is a lot heavier on the inks, a lot lot heavier shading going on. Uh, like all the characters, you feel all the bumps on the dinosaur skin, whereas uh, the, 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 the texture of them previously was a lot smoother. Um, and I just, yeah, I, I really struggled to, to enjoy this issue kind of at all, unfortunately. Yeah, um, the book, you know, you, you've got basically two groupings, two groups of characters having their, their own fights. Uh, we get a more concrete introduction to the uh, Flash Raptor, <laughs> Flasher Raptor, whatever he's called, and uh, the Green Torch, uh, who then interact a bit with uh, the Aqua, Aqua Rinks. Um, and I did kind of get a chuckle out of this issue because the Aquanex started to feel like the deep from the boys in that it's like, he thinks he's protecting the dolphin. The dolphin's healing, you know, it's had a rough time, but it's it's better now. And then just as he says that, Joker Zard comes up and just starts munching on it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I got a bit of a, a dark chuckle out of that. If it, was. It, it was very much back to Aquaman being the butt of the jokes yes. sort of take on this. Uh, so, yeah, so they, they're all fighting. Um, uh, what well, the other villains that are here for that? You've got Atrocitaurus, who was introduced before. Um, so, that's cool. Uh, yeah, you got all these fighting going on, and then we eventually cut back to uh, the others, which is Super Saur and, uh, and Batsaur, or whatever he's called. Um, so, yeah, and there's stuff in here. Wonder Don's there as well, and Giganta's going after the humans, and Super Saur's jumping out to save them. Uh, other than that, you know, it's, it's a lot of fighting. Uh, the, the, I guess the main plot points I would say that come out of it is that Batsaur does go to question one of them and gets kind of vicious about it, and like the others are a bit, hey, you can't do that. And Wonder Don's like, hey, I've got the lasso here. Like, like this will make him tell the truth. You don't need to interrogate him. Uh, so that, yeah. that's kind of the, the main dramatic beat I got out of it. Uh, it is a shame though because the issue is like eighty percent combat, and the combat's not that fun to look at because it's yeah, not. It's, it's kind of, it doesn't flow very well, I guess. Is ultimately. I uh, really didn't enjoy the Bizarro lettering. That's fair. It, it was kind of fine at first in small doses, but by the time you got to like the last couple of pages, well, where it's the problem is, is he's the one that gets the lasso and has to deliver all the exposition. Yeah, yeah. Once you know we're at that point. Oh, that's that's a hard page to read. Because at first it was just like one or two words and mostly it was okay. But then I got to some words where I'm like, yeah, I actually have to think about what this is saying. I have to stop and actually look at the word as opposed to it just kind of going in. Yeah. Like, I still like the characterizations, you know, uh, Aquanix, like, running after Jokazard uh, and stuff like that, or, you know, looking for his trident because he's mad that it's been run away with. Like, that, that's, you know, like, I, I'm enjoying the characterizations. I'm still looking forward to the next issues, but I, I do hope that uh, Gideon's back on the art because uh, I wasn't super feeling it. Uh, the, all the villains keep talking about, like, the, you know, the, their master, like, the one they're doing all this for, and at the end it teases the egg that the master's in that's hatching. So, I mean, are we getting some sort of dark side thesaurus or something coming out of the egg? I don't know. But... I don't know. The way that it was describing the, the dark embryo, it really sounded like Galactus, and like he was the, the Silver Surfer Herald. <laughs> like, did you not get that vibe? Well, they said Embryo, so I was thinking DC, so I was thinking maybe a Maisel Diamond kind of thing. Uh, maybe. Like, it was the way that, oh, it's done this on other worlds, you know, you know, we go there, you know, 
and you know, we would clean out the life. It, it just felt super galactic uh, the way it was being described. Yeah. Um, that said, I feel like Darkseid's the likely one just in that he tends to be considered to be the main like DC villain to use for things like this. Yeah. So maybe it's him coming at the egg. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's the gobbledygooker. That's another wrestling reference for people. To I, uh, I did chuckle a little bit at the, uh, the Jurassic Park reference in this one. I'll go on. As as bizarre as Daniel, you know, the embryo will find a way. It always finds a way. <laughs> uh, obviously, it doesn't quite quote exactly, but close enough, especially as we're doing it with all the, the dinosaurs, that you, you, you get the reference. No, yeah, it works, it works. Uh, so, okay, you know, I'm, I'm still looking forward to the next issue. I, ju I just hope that either we have the regular artist back on the art, or uh, it's a less combat-heavy issue, because I, I don't think it would, be, it would be much of a problem if it was just an issue of them talking to each other. It'd be less of a... It would less... be less of a problem, but I would still not enjoy it, personally. I, I'd still miss the regular arts. And yeah. I think it's really disappointing in a six-issue mini. I would rather have had delays and just sure. had yeah. getting into the whole thing. Especially, you know, thinking long-term, this gets stuck in a you know, in a trade. You, you go in your, your bookshop, you, you flick through it, and, and this is just... if it's Especially if it's just the one issue in the middle, that's really jarring and kind of ruins that for me in terms of, like, long-term sales of it. That is, that is a shame. There's, there's no denying it. Uh, still didn't bug me as much as the vampires issue, though. Oh, I, I this bothered me a lot more because at least that was the first issue. It was it, that I hadn't, I didn't have expectations for that. Whereas this, I knew what I was getting in for. Oh, Saved it for last, thinking that, and then more disappointing, perhaps. Sure, but like just on a one-to-one -one comparison of like which annoyed my eyes more and hurt them more. Because I would describe, I mean, I would describe, even this at points kind of hurt my eyes trying to follow the action because it was just kind of a mess of things happening rather than any kind of flow. You know? Yeah, no, I, I, honestly, I think I preferred All Out War to this in terms of the art. If I had to pick one, that annoyed me less. Uh, all right, what are you uh, given Jurassic League 3? Um, like a four, which is really disappointing, but man, that art. I'll probably go more like a 5.5. I'm not going to be quite as nuclear negative as you, but it's definitely a lesser issue. And I think, um, but because it is mostly just an art problem, like I feel, you know, happy and confident enough that it'll get back to form. I am hopeful the next issue is back to a regular ice and I will forget this, other than the unfortunate long term implications. But like, it's not making me drop the book. Yeah. But yeah, I really didn't enjoy reading this one. That's a shame, that's a shame. But, uh, there you go. Well, that'll take us out of the part of the show. We pick our favourite stuff of the week, favourite panel slash moment, favourite art, favourite cover, and of course, top five books. So, uh, panel slash moment, Connor, what do you have? Uh, give me a second, because I forgot to look at any of these. Uh, what did I like? Do you know what? I'm actually going to go from Black Adam, that, that line where he's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, male, forty six thousand years old. You know. Just, oh, sure. it, it made me chuckle. Um, I think I'll go with uh, world's finest when uh, Superman comes out of the Phantom Zone and kind of his little joke about Batman noticing something being a plan, not a hunch or a gamble. I really like that small beat. Uh, I'll I'll go with that. Uh, cover of the week. What do you have? Uh, I'm just looking through them now. I think the obvious is. Just Nightwing's regular cover. 
uh, which yeah. is uh, it's a blockbuster made out of the city. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's just what I'm going to go with. It's, it's a gorgeous cover. Yeah, I'm just having a quick glance at some of the other variants and stuff that I've maybe not noticed as of yet. Uh, obviously, Dan Moore's art in the World's Finest covers is very nice. Uh, oh, I've just seen the Federici variant for Batman the Night. Uh, nice as well. There's a variant or two for World's Finest that are also uh, quite nice. Uh, there's a Matina one, uh, which is just, just Superman in the foreground with his heat vision, Batman's in the background looking all shadowy. Uh, that's very, very pretty. Uh, so, you know, very good. Um, so, I think overall, uh, last month I gave it to Black Adam because Black Adam issue 1's cover was, you know, like I just remember, and the cover for this issue two is still pretty good, still really good. It is, yeah. but uh, I think I also just have to be bored and go with Nightwing. But <laughs> but I, I will say I will say that Matina co- cover for World's Finest was close to taking it. But mm, fair enough. There you go. Um. All right. Uh. Art of the week. Uh. World's Finest. I uh, done more. More just. Ah, oh, man, kills it. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think... Yeah, I think I'd go, go with that. Although I, I think Borges for Nightwing's close, though. Like, I still think his art's really good, uh, but... It's good, but it's not Mora. Yeah, but I, I will agree with Mora. All right, top five books. Uh, so I think uh, Batman the Night at one. Then Nightwing... Uh, Black Adam, Batman, Superman, and then I, I, I guess uh, DC Vampires All Out War by default because it's that or Jurassic League. So oh dear, oh dear. Uh, I will go with Nightwing at number one, and then number two, I'll go with um, I'll go with World's Finest, and then number three, I'll go with Black Adam. Number four, I'll go with. The night number five, the flash. Neatly leaving off both uh vampires and Jurassic League. Uh, That's convenient. So you read nice. just enough books to avoid them. I did, I did. Uh there you go. So uh that is uh that is that. I'll tell you what's coming next week from DC Comics. Um I'll see how much of a because obviously the big thing next week is the start of the brand new run on Detective Comics with issue 1062. We have Action Comics 1045, Robin issue 16, Batman One Dark Knight issue 3. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. I've I've enjoyed that black label book uh, up till now. Uh and Matt was pretty into it because Matt Matt caught up for issue two. Oh uh, did he? Yeah. So uh we, we talked about that last time. Uh the Swamp Thing issue fifteen. Uh, which actually might be the highlight of the week, even with the new detective run starting. To be honest, <laughs> I mean, it's Ram V versus Ram V, so yeah. Uh, the Swamp Thing has been special these last few. No, issues. it has. But having seen some of like the like the the stylistic previews that they've been doing for Detective mm. and Albuquerque on art, like, oh, oh man, that could be special. Uh, also next week is Harley Quinn issue seventeen, Task Force Z issue ten, Deathstroke Inc issue eleven. The Sandman Universe Nightmare Country issue 4, Batman Fortress issue 3, Aquaman issue 6, Superman Space Age issue 1. Ah, that's the, the Russell book, right? Uh, that sounds right, yeah. Yeah, uh, Russell uh, with, with all red on, on art. Yeah, and this is, this is 
Is this book one? Yeah, this is. Uh, yeah, this is it's like an eighty-page thing. It's like I think it was a, like three issues, maybe something like that. Yeah, that's a lot for something that's got multiple issues. But sure, yeah, that's it next week. Uh, and then DC Mech issue ones out next week, along with Young Justice Targets issue one. So uh, that's obviously a long list of books in terms of everything they're publishing. Um, and it's healthy enough in terms of what we're reading, I think. But uh, the actual full publication list is quite big because there's a lot of other things in there too. Uh, but a healthy week, healthy week, no dying, that. Uh, so, yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, and of course, uh, all around these books are out next week, and that means Connor's obviously not on the show to talk about them. I, I, I hate this. <laughs> but Matt will be back next week, folks, so don't, uh, don't despair. Uh, the show will go on, and uh, shenanigans will be had. Um, so, cool. But yeah, that is uh, that that is that's that about does it. I, I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers. Thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Board Now, Christopher Moy, David Brown, Al Traisman, and Alison M. Four dice. Uh, you can go over to patreoncom slash TV and support us over there and get some bonus for your trouble. The five dollar tier, you get early access to the show. You get whatever it's ready on the Saturday night, uh, whatever time that may be uh, before the Sunday release. So if that's of interest and you want to support all the content, uh, go over. Uh, you can also check out other things that we do via MailFuzz Movies and MailFuzz TV. Uh, basically, movie and TV reviews, podcasts, conversations, things you'd expect. Um, if you go and have a look at that stuff. Uh, a lot of that is also available via audio podcast feeds as well. Uh, but you can find the YouTube channels for, for browsing sake. Um, yeah. Uh, otherwise, you know, like, subscribe, ding the bell for notifications, give us a nice five star rating on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from. You can find us on the Twitters at DC Comics Podcast and, you know, tweet us things there if you like or get updates and whatnot. But uh, otherwise, that is us. And I feel my voice really needs to rest. So I'm thankful that we're we're wrapping up here. So thank you very much once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics. And remember, to never get lost in the Speed Force.